0: Oh well, guess we got to get that series preview up. And, and the historical,
1: <laughs> the historical moment of, of course, uh, did we did we also we didn't mention um, the round two starting before the Predators had had finished uh, round two, uh, round I'm, one, I'm, uh, which see, was. I mean, I don't think that's. Not, I, just, I just think that's kind of like a neat there was historical so moments. much
0: whining about that. Now, like, see, I, I don't get. I thought that two was two start like
2: before our series.
0: Look at it like this. These people I mean, do other not other follow... do that. They don't follow combat sports, okay? <laughs> they don't follow, like, boxing or MMA or anything like that because the way that NBC set it up was the Lightning versus the Islanders was the undercard. In Game 7, that was the main event. That, mm. That's what they were well, promoting. But this and, happens in other sports. They, yeah, they, they'll stagger all this, the, time.
1: the series. I just thought it was... Because historically and traditionally, the NHL doesn't do that. No. So I thought it was like, a cool, the Predators got to be part of something new. In the NHL, and then they all, on the top of that, got to cap it off with, with, with a Game 7 victory. And we move had on to, to freaking the next pay round. for it because
0: we had to turn around and put <laughs> a series preview within one day.
3: So, are you <laughs> saying that the one thing you'll remember about that series was how the Predators overlapped their series with the second round? Is
1: yeah, how how the uh, the, 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 trans, the 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 switch between the two games transmissions was delayed because the game the game one of round two was still going on. Yeah. So years
3: from now when we look back, you'll remember that. Uh, yeah, was, my my,
1: predator, my favorite Predators
3: moments: Martin Erat <laughs>
1: screwing up Game Five, Rattelov getting suspended for being five minutes late, and Lightning Islanders being on for the Predators <laughs> Ducks game. <laughs> Calling
2: no freaks. More-
0: And welcome into a show that now has a lot more free time on its hands. This is the PredCast brought to you by Lion's Own Internet Marketing Solutions on the4check.com. Chris is Chris Link. Alex is Alex Doherty. Uh, I'm Dan Bradley. Before we even get out of the batter's box, uh, there's a question we had coming in from one of our loyal listeners, uh, Andrew Varenkamp. He writes us about every time we have a show. He starts off with this, and I figured this would be a good icebreaker because... You know, we're all kind of downtrodden. Hockey season's over with. But we follow other sports here. We, we're actually very well-versed in several sports. Question he starts off with. With Newcastle being relegated in embarrassment, talking about the Premier League, am I free to switch allegiance? My wife hails from the East End stock, and I like to throw things at Manchester United. Is West Ham for me?
1: Wait, I'm, okay, one thing that confuses me is, is so, West Ham honestly has very little to do with Man U. Yes. Um but so they, that's, that's they the first back, thing. That's kind of like a next like a, um, like a previous yeah. generation rivalry I mean, because w-
0: West Ham was good during the eighties and nineties. Yeah. There's 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 a big
1: divide, and this is what I tell anyone who's thinking about West Ham. There's a big divide between uh American West Ham fans and uh English West Ham fans. And uh American West Ham fans tend to pick the team because oh hey, they're they're a decent team. They're always around you know, there's a couple different reasons. Um English West Ham fans pick the team because usually they're anti-Semitic. So that's one thing to keep in mind when you think about West Ham is that they're known for their
0: intense anti-Semitism. This so this is the team that uh, that will actually hiss at fans to replicate yeah, the sound um, of the gas chamber. And,
1: and just for full disclosure, of course, I'm a, I'm a you know, I'm, I, I am a, I'm co-chair, or I'm co-vice chair. <laughs> it's a long, annoying title uh, for Nashville Spurs, for, Tottenham, for the Tottenham Hotspur uh, supporters group. So I have to add, throw that caveat out there. But what? we've had West Ham supporters from England at our bar during... Uh, spurs west ham matches and they have hissed and so i have and to the further that you're leaving part out here that tottenham
0: is kind of recognized as the jewish club of london
1: y- there is a strong yeah, there's a strong history and there's still a strong association with uh with with the jewish people in north london um so it, it's something that anytime so it's like, i'm thinking of west ham i say no and i will just go and jump straight to the core so I, I think if your team's getting relegated you really you want to watch soccer and that's the thing you want to watch high level soccer. So yeah, I mean, just find another team that you can jump behind. Don't uh, go out and pick one of their
2: rivals.
0: I know a team. They're in North London though, or no- North England though.
3: Well, I, uh, regardless, I think I think you should root on Liverpool because they're about to go back to Europe and uh, are start gonna, dominating are they again. they going to go to the Europa League. The finals this th-
0: this Wednesday. No, no, no. But are they going to go to the Europa League uh, next year?
3: No. If they win on Wednesday, then they're in they're in UEFA. They're in the in Champions, the Champions League. League. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Which will, who will that knock out? Will that knock
1: out? Um, Seville, who's in the, who ended up in in uh, third or in fourth mm. after today? Uh, I'm not sure. I I, I I left the bar this morning in disgrace, so I don't. I didn't I really pay attention to what else. happened. You guys saw what
0: happened in the United game, right?
1: It, yeah, it was canceled. Yeah. So actually, they won't. We won't know until that's City. done. Manchester City's yeah, in fourth. So, but that's barring I think what happens with um, the United game a little bit. But uh, so yeah, so but if yeah. Liverpool win, that'll bump. City mm-hmm. into the Europa. Actually, it wouldn't matter right.
0: because uh, United's bound by. It's, United's at sixty three points. Uh, City's at sixty six, and City has a uh, thirty to twelve goal differential. Yeah, so that'll
1: for, give that'll that'll bump uh, City for, for, into uh,
3: into Europa. I mean, regardless if it bumps out, Liverpool would be in as winner of the Euro- Europa League. So, because the Europa League gets a, gets a spot too.
1: Yeah,
0: Everton didn't lose today. It's kind of awesome.
1: Well, like they weren't going to lose on uh on uh, Tim Howard's last day. There. Of school, had but to.
3: here's my case. All right, if I'm if this guy really wants to jump over, okay. First of all, you have got Jurgen Klopp, the most exciting manager in in the EPL right
2: and, now. And frankly, I'm sorry,
3: I'm sorry. Who just had Who just had a private lunch
1: with Sir Alex Ferguson because Alex Ferguson wanted to meet him? Yeah, it was Mauricio Pochettino, not
0: Klopp. No one makes the faces Klopp makes. Klopp is... I'm just talking about in entertainment. You could watch oh, just okay. the sideline. All right. yeah. if we're talking yeah.
1: about entertainment value and not quality. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. <laughs>
0: I mean just an entertaining value. Uh, Klopp has made a uh, Champions League final
3: with Bruce Adorn. Yeah, mm-hmm. Pop- Mariusz Mar- Pagetino is like six years old, so he's got time. <laughs> Carry on. Anyways, Cla- <laughs> you've got you've got Jurgen Klopp, who's the most exciting manager to watch on the sideline. It, w- when they score a goal, he absolutely loses his mind. When they don't score, a goal, when they he don't score a goal, lo- loses his mind. When they're, when mind they're,
1: when they're interviewing him during the game, he loses his mind. When he finds a nickel on <laughs> the ground, he loses his mind.
0: I had a great <clears> hashtag a couple years ago that was just Jurgen says, and it was just like yeah. I have like like thirty five pictures of Jurgen Klopp on my phone that I just yeah. you can throw out at random times.
3: But you've also got some some fantastic young talent. You got a Regi. You've got Firmino. You've got, of course, Philip Coutinho, probably the probably the best Brazilian to come out. So so so,
0: we're, so what team? would, I mean, you're I'm, recommending Liverpool. You're
3: yes. recommending. Here's
1: what I'm going to say. Um, if if you've chosen Newcastle as your team, they'll probably get themselves sorted up, especially if Rafa Benitez sticks around. And they've done this so, before. So so pick just pick a pick a team that uh, like one of the teams coming up from the Championship this year. Pick one of those and like hit your bandwagon to them or some, some other kind of middling low team and just kind of get into the spirit of things and enjoy the games, enjoy the matches. And then when Newcastle come back up, because I think they will pretty quickly, then you're new, you can go back to supporting Newcastle and really where, where
0: your heart lies. You're not allowed to pick Sunderland because Sunderland is your blood rival. That's not going to happen. Well, you know yeah. what? I got, I got one for you. We can all pull for Derby County to be promoted because Derby County is owned by whom? Brett well, Wilson.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think they've been promoted yet, though.
0: No, they're in the playoffs for the championship.
1: Yeah, but they're yeah, they, which they failed to to get to advance out of last Who season. Who else is coming up?
0: Uh, Burnley again. Okay. Middlesbrough coming back up. Hmm. Middlesbrough had like a storm of the pitch moment, man. It was kind of awesome. That's yeah.
1: pretty cool. But I just pick pick a, pick a low ranking team and just just follow them until Newcastle comes back. You're not, not allowed to pick Arsenal forever. Ever and yeah, never pick Arsenal.
0: Ar- I mean, as a as an Everton fan, I, I can't stand Arsenal more so than any other team. I don't even mind Liverpool compared to Arsenal. <laughs> Seriously. Arsenal was like what all like the really preppy kid in high school, you know, that was the jersey he was wearing. Like mm-hmm. when I was in high school walking around the halls of, of Harpeth High School in Kingston Springs, there was always some tool wearing a uh, a Thierry Henry jersey because they liked the name Arsenal because it was cool. Yeah, I picked I,
1: a chicken standing on a soccer ball.
0: Yeah. I mean you know, how badass yeah. is that?
1: It's not. Yeah. How was your weekend? Like the weekend? Um, well. Yeah. You know, anyone who watches soccer knows that this morning was not optimal. Um, I was warning my my uh, so some of my fellow supporters that it's impossible for Tottenham Hotspur to finish ahead of Arsenal. It's not allowed. It has it happened since nineteen ninety five? And uh, Spurs put out a, a a effort and a performance equivalent to um, the Predators in Game Seven against the Sharks. I would say it's about even. Um, <sighs> and uh, I left ten minutes early to go grocery shopping. That's how bad it was. Hmm. But other than that, I went to Butcher and Bee uh, in, in East Nashville, uh, which was fantastic. They had whipped feta with b- cracked black pepper and fermented honey with pita bread.
2: Ooh.
3: Ooh.
1: Sounds pretty good. Where it is this? Very good. It's on uh, Main Street in East Nashville. Okay. Uh, not too, like a few blocks down from uh, Five Points.
3: Interesting. Yeah, Alex? Uh, I got a bit of good news, actually. I um, So later in the week, last week, uh, our dog. I have a greyhound. Her name is Beak. She was extremely sick, and we had to take her to the vet. And uh, the prognosis was not good. We were told it was either a tumor or pancreatitis, and it turned out to be pancreatitis, which is curable. And she's on meds, and she's back home, and she's just back to normal. So was she a racer at any point? She was awesome. She was a pretty good one. She retired. She's a, she was a she's a retired racer. So. She was a decent little racer. She's twelve now, though, so she's getting old. But it was great news. We were very happy to get her back. Those
0: are some awesome dogs. Yeah, uh, I'm a sucker for greyhounds. There was a greyhound track not too far from where I lived in Florida, so that was kind of like a really bored and kind of and and maybe have a government holiday on a Friday. That was that was a place we used to go. Um,
3: other, I, than, other than that, that's all I did.
0: I don't have anything really exciting to report. Um, didn't really do a whole lot. Lightning are still playing. So, uh, how messed up is this? So Saturday night rolls around. Last night. And there's no NHL playoff game. Okay, well, what about the... I mean, I'm sure there's like basketball or something. There's no NBA playoff game on Saturday either. If if
3: the Predators had won, the Predators would have had to play on Saturday night, I can guarantee you.
0: It no, would, the the schedule was already set. Yeah, they no. would have played they, on Sunday? They, they, they would have yeah. changed it. They would have played would on have Sunday it. in St. Louis. And, I think so, there was some MLS on. Uh, I, I kind of went to a bar and, and watched the uh, the Cleveland, like the Believe Land movie on captions and then went and saw John for a bit. Hmm. John's dog remembered me. It was pretty awesome. He smelled my hand, and his tail started wagging, and then he just kind of sat beside me.
3: It was silly, though, because it, uh, it felt strange with no hockey on a Saturday night.
0: No hockey, no... Even like when the, We see hockey do this sometimes. Well, they'll concede a night to like the NFL or concede a night to the NBA, because they know that, all right, we're going to get killed in the ratings anyway. Might as well just let them have it and then fight again another day. But both leagues didn't have anything on Saturday night. Kind of bizarre. Uh, on a Saturday night in May. So, yeah. kind of
1: weird. There's probably baseball on, but who cares?
0: Yeah, I can't pretend to like baseball in May. Like, <laughs> I don't even think they can. I can't sp-
1: pretend to like baseball in. Do they play October? Are they in October? Are they still yeah. playing? Okay, I can't pretend to like it in October.
0: Yeah. October is kind I'm of weird. Where- when do they stop playing?
3: Uh, October. Early, yeah. Do they? Mm-hmm. Oh, good.
0: Good early guess November by Early November or late October. Yeah, it depends on. Or, you know, early like November
3: only if there's extenuating circumstances, like in nine uh, eleven. Yeah, that went into November, but yep. usually October. All right. Anyways,
0: let's get into it. Um, so, pretty extenuating circumstances. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: kind
0: so of minimizing that a little bit. But when okay. we last left our uh, last left our beloved our uh, beloved local hockey team. I'm trying to nearly tried to merge a word there. Um, down to n- down to nothing to San Jose. Uh, wow, was that cool. really last time we recorded? Yeah, last time we recorded. Wow. Yeah, um, Alex, I remember you saying that they uh, they won that they got a split at home and then mm-hmm. San Jose ended up winning it in five. I don't remember quite what I said. What did you?
1: You're asking me what I said? Yeah, two that's weeks what ago. you guys are here for. Okay, mm-hmm.
0: I don't know what I said. Game three starts and the uh, big news was that they scratched Mike Ribeiro. Uh, oh, Ponus Auburn so comes good. in, plays just a few minutes, but it was more the principle of it because they can then double shift a guy later on in the game. Marlowe scores first in the first period. So they go into the locker room down one, nothing. And you're feeling just, uh, this is, this is how it ends. Cause, mm-hmm. uh, Marlo's goal. He humiliated both Weber, Yossi and Rene consecutively. It was, it was a terrible.
3: Three goal. consecutive brain farts all yeah, in a row.
0: It's kind of amazing, but the Predators turn into red Hulk and uh, get a power play goal. End up winning game three. Game four rolls around. Pana is still in the lineup. No Mike Herbero. Uh, in a triple overtime game, Pontus Helberg plays all of five minutes because they start double-shifting guys. And then at that point, a lot of you, that's justification was, you know, we don't want to, uh, we didn't feel comfortable putting him back in the game. Uh, Jackman ends up taking an iffy penalty in the third, a media power play goal. And uh, we made a request to NBC to uh, get the copy of the video from when they came out of the TV timeout. Less than six minutes remaining. Uh, Chris Cuthbert, who I thought had a pretty good series. He botched a couple of names, but who doesn't? especially in hockey. Bieto? Yeah, Pietto, Uh Was he the one who said Ryan Wilson over and over again? Yep. Yeah.
3: And Ribeiro. Yeah. Well, well who
0: cares? Th- Actually, I was uh, kind of a heel James Neal joke anyways. So Uh-oh. that's what I called him last year. <laughs> um, <laughs> I forgot
3: about that. Yeah.
0: Um, he, makes, he points out that they're coming out of TV timeout. I'm like, the fans are realizing this may be the last chance they get to cheer on this team the remainder of the season. They go out and score a goal. Place goes nuts. Triple overtime game. That was a lot of fun. Um, So triple overtime game, and Weber takes a couple of really dumb penalties in the, I think, the second and third over, no, the second overtime. um, He takes no one of them. On the other end of the ice, too, in the offensive zone. And uh, somehow the Predators survive and end up winning it in game three, or end up winning it in uh, triple overtime. Going back, games three and four. Uh, Where does that rank as far as... um, well, first off, what are your thoughts on those? Like that was, do you feel like the series completely turned at that point, where the Predators had all the momentum? Do you think that that was kind of a, um, do you think that was kind of one of those deals where like the hometown crowd just kind of lifted them up a little bit, or what do you take away from that?
1: Well, I, I think um, I, I'm gonna make. Uh, it, it, I think something really boring actually. I, I think uh, this was the first time that the Sharks were cha- traveled to challenged to an actual travel schedule. So instead of the Predators being the one hauling ass across the country. play games it was the sharks and and so they had their first time where they were rolling in high emotion game a lot going on a lot riding on it and i think they're just you know mentally not there um and then uh staying in, in in the area i think the predators were just getting stronger they were at home they were sleeping well they were in comfortable environment and they were able to just kind of lock it down in Game 4. So that's really what I see. I, I really think so much of the Predators postseason, um, outside of, and I'm sure we'll talk about Game 7, outside of that, can can be boiled down to, I mean, they traveled 17,000 miles, it's roughly. 17,000 miles. Y- you want to you identify a problem in the NHL? It's that. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, how do you win a postseason series traveling 17,000 miles? You win it
0: quickly or you don't win it at all.
1: Exactly. It's not, it, it's, it, unless you have rest and there's spacing, um, it's incredibly difficult to, to manage beyond that. I don't, I'm happy to talk about what I think about how the Predators traveled
3: the, between games uh, four and five.
0: Yeah, mm. Alex, can you get your thoughts on game three and four real quick.
3: Yeah, so game three, I think, actually is kind of just a painful reminder of how good this team can be when all aspects click. When when you have the power play, they scored two power, power play goals in that in that game. Uh, they scored four on the entire series, so two of their power play goals came in that game. And just, uh, I mean, everything seemed to work. I mean, they, they, the forward lines, the defense, except for that one play with the Marlowe goal. Um, honestly, I felt like that game kind of looked like San Jose. It was like, okay, Nashville's going to get at least one of these. This is theirs. Game four, I've never seen anything like that. It, it, that's, that was the best hockey game I've ever been to. I was there for the entire thing. Um, side note, we talked a, a few weeks ago about things you would change in the arena when they build a new yeah. arena things that you would change there needs to be more standing room standing room only kind of areas where you can watch the game while standing there's only one in the entire place it's over there by the all you can eat
0: yeah and it's a, it's a terrible log jam as far as people go it's over a
3: there. log jam it's ter- it's really crowded you can't really see all that well
0: well for like
1: 150 bucks and you can go into the the uh all inclusive area <laughs> Um, where there's plenty of standing room. It also was ridiculously expensive.
3: So I didn't, I didn't, I obviously bought a ticket to the game. I didn't sit in my seat once. I sat and watched the, or stood and watched the entire game from that perspective through through all overtimes and everything. It was extremely tiring. However, anyways, that's just a side note. It needs more standing room. Um, I just couldn't believe how bad they were in the overtimes for, for all
0: oh, the second 40 overtime they minutes. were hot garbage yeah
3: they couldn't do anything and then for them to pull it out it was just was just unbelievable it's the best best game i've ever seen
0: now here's a here's a kind of a side note with that martel got a little bit of heat by even compare, dare he compare it to the music city miracle which was the 99, 99 or 98 playoff game against buffalo 2000 2000 playoff game against buffalo um, yours truly was actually in the building section 308 rose nine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, it was like the only those only time game my dad and I ever went to. Um, I thought this was a better game, as far as like like yeah. really like like Apex Nashville sports moments. That was one of them right there. Definitely, um, I would agree with that. I mean, I ended up not meeting as much because the Titans went to the Super Bowl and the Predators ended up getting bounced in the second round. But that was super cool. Um, and into game five. When everyone's throwing out these stats, that the teams that goes on to win a triple overtime game, you know, goes on to win the series, you've got teams that come back from two go two nil uh, deficits, end up coming back to win the series half the time, and game five was just terrible. Mm. I actually gathered with uh, Jason and Maria, and uh, we're pretty confident, you know, just kind of having a few drinks, you know, what have you, and just the horror of watching that game in public.
1: Yeah, well, no, I I think there's there's Ugh. a narrative between games 5, 6, and 7. Um, Let's hear it. And it's gonna, it's, it, this is what I was referencing earlier. I really meant, when I said between games 4 and 5, I meant really between 6 and 7. But is, there's a whole sequence. So yeah. after the homestands, you have the teams fly out to San Jose, play their game 5. Predators do not look great. Uh, sharks just take the game. Not really an issue. They fly all the way back out to Nashville. Sharks have their worst second and third period that they've played in months. Yeah, they are just a mess.
0: Martin Jones played great in the second period, yeah. and then the Predators just found a way to solve yeah. them.
1: I mean, I, but I wonder, I wonder why the Sharks were pretty tired in the, in the second and the third, and why the Predators lost and or, or struggled in in the game five in San Jose. So game seven was just a tire fire. Well, so yeah, yeah and, and and then, uh, so I mean, I think you start really having fatigue, in the Sharks getting their first taste of that, and that's why I think they didn't weren't able to close out game six, is because the Predators really had. Home at ice advantage because they just were a little bit more comfortable to a degree where it gave them an edge. Uh, I, I think, and and that's what takes me to game seven and the gap between game six and game seven. They were given an extra day due to uh, the Selena Gomez concert, and so I'm like, oh, that's awesome! They can get right out to San Jose. They can have extra time there. They have a day. They can they can get a sense they have a day between games. Get two nights of sleep in San Jose, be really on the ball, and then I was reading Twitter, and people are talking about they're they're on the ice in Nashville, and I'm like, they're not flying out, like they're not there already. Hmm. Who would do? I mean, it, w- yeah, <laughs> I was I was at a loss. I couldn't imagine it. They doing that, they sacrificed. They so sacrificed an extra day. I mean, the whole thing of having giving your sc- your guys an extra day. Of sleep, so they could get acclimated to the environment. They could chase off the fatigue of flying and all the side effects of flying. Mm-hmm. They just they threw it out the window, and going in, I was so optimistic. I was saying, if they they have that extra day, that means that I really think they can challenge in challenging game seven. That's what
0: they do during the middle of the season. Like say, if there's a two day off, they'll go to that place and hang around an extra couple of days yeah, or so. I, I
1: couldn't. When I saw that, I I thought I misread it. I, I think there's like think a I'm players' wrong.
0: association like uh, like deal where they can't fly in too early, but. Uh, I just thought I was wrong because, yeah. I,
1: like they, you know, th- there was actually just that big research thing that was dropped this past yeah. week, where or no, a couple of weeks ago, where they where it was like, oh, you know, and this is something like sleep scientists have known for decades that the first night that you have someone in a in a sleep center testing them, you throw out the data because they sleep so poorly on the first night, and then next night they sleep normally, yeah, and they te- and they were there some some other scientists did some extra testing. And they found that that's really just generally true for people. If you put them in a new environment, the mm-hmm. first night, half their brain just stays up, and the other half sleeps. So the whole idea being that you get into the location. Night one in San Jose, no one sleep. They sleep fine. You know, they're but they're not getting the same quality sleep. Night two, full quality sleep, full refreshed, going into Game Seven.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Predators don't take that, that advantage. They were handed a gift by the by Selena Gomez, literally. And uh, in my opinion, they squandered it maybe because the players wanted to stay at home, which I can't begrudge them that, wanting to see family or whatever, or wanting to sleep in their own bed. I I get it. Yeah, I get it. But they sacrificed, I think they really sacrificed a huge advantage, especially with the brutal, brutal travel schedule. I I think that they they got beat by the TSA in the end. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that's what ended up being the Predators. I I think there's more to it in Game 7 than
3: just that, but I think it's a major factor. I I think... Well, okay. I, 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 and a lot of what you said makes a lot of sense. I just think you know a team a team wins the cup every year, flying around, sleeping in different hotels, missing missing their home, and and going to game sevens and going to overtimes. I, I'm I'm tired of the the exhausted ran out, ran out of gas narrative. I just th- I just don't see. I can't I can't in my mind. Reconcile what I saw on the ice on Game Seven as just being a tired thing. I, I totally get. Well, your- I think I think
1: it's way more than that. Yeah. But if we're talking about a game where more than a small part of it is is determined by chance, you need to scrape every fraction sure. percentage was, yeah. advantage you can get. Yeah. And by the time you're at Game Seven, you've had some rest. I mean, no one goes back to back series. Almost no one goes back to back series into the final Stanley Cup. They they will give them some time off. Uh. And and then by the time you get to that point. You know the travel schedule is usually not as
3: brutal, and what and you, they give them space. And what you mentioned about being sort of it's it's the it's not the physical tired as as well as the much mental. as the mental. Yeah. And what did we see on the ice on on Game Seven? All kinds of mental. Can we at problems. least circle back
0: to Game Six real quick. Sure. <laughs> we kind of glossed over that one. Oh, sorry. Um, Sharks take a two goal lead early. Ended up uh, going in the locker room two to one. Johansson scores to tie the game. Uh, Salamaki ends up taking a penalty for high sticking Jones, kind of in a follow through and a shot. I kind of thought that was a makeup penalty more than anything else, but um, whatever. Uh, Couture scores immediately, and at that point, I have accepted reality that mm-hmm. that's probably going to be the end of the season. You know, they you know they put up a good fight. I, I conceded I conceded already. The Sharks were the better team because I, honestly, my narrative for this ser- for this series was the Sharks are a little bit better. But Nashville is playing so good at home; they're going to keep it close, And when it? And that's what I think was the difference in the game. I think the Sharks were a deeper team. The Sharks' power play was so good, and that was the that was just a huge difference. You look at the goal difference in the series; it's not even close. Even if you get rid of the Game Seven, it's still not close. Mm-hmm. I and mean, the Predators are a minus are a min- a net minus when it comes to uh, goal differential, and they won a series. They were like minus eight against the Ducks or something. <laughs> it was something crazy. Um, but when uh, Wilson ends up scoring, due to an awesome tic tac toe play from Ribeiro to Neil, which, by the way, Mike Ribeiro back in the lineup for Game Five, and he comes back in for Game Six, ends up setting help setting up the tic tac toe goal to tie the game back up. Um, I want to talk about a little bit about the airport stuff real quick after uh, after we get through with Game Seven, but um, the Arvidsson backhand—how much of that was intentional? <laughs>
1: I thought the same thing. I I think uh, I think a lot of it was intentional. Um
0: that's a, he has one plan.
1: I think I think a lot of it was intentional. I mean, when you're that the way he angled that, I mean, I think it caught a little bit of Jones or a defenseman on the way up. But with from where he was in the ice and the the power that little RV put behind it um and how, how where it ended up in the net. I mean, I, he was definitely trying for a shot like that. I think he might have gotten a little bit of help uh from a shark that it might have bounced off of, but it might have been a goal
3: anyways. Um but I, also a I number I mean, a number of goals had beaten uh, Jones high. I mean, and in, in that that certainly was in that area. Backhand. Yeah. Just, um. <laughs> back to the Wilson, special. Yeah. Back to the Wilson goal. I th- I think that's one of the best goals that I've seen this team score. Probably I don't know this year in a long time. Not individual effort, but just in terms of teamwork and sort of uh, just off, just pure offensive talent and vision. That Ribeiro to Neal to to Wilson combination was was incredible to me. It's
0: it's kind of bizarre how good how good of a chemistry that Wilson and Neal have, yeah. despite of only playing about half a season together over the last two years. It's just amazing when you put Colin Wilson with talented players what he can do. I mean, he was with beside Mike Fisher for most of the year. We never and we barely got a sniff of offense from him. Right. Now he's now that line was just nearly unstoppable for the better part of that series. Yeah. Well, that's
1: because he, the things he tries, the things he wants to do in the ice, he needs people to be who, who are really paying attention, really high skill to be able to work with him. Yeah, because he's always as I as I said early, early even I think it was even the duck series. Everyone's like it's playoff, Colin Wilson. No, this is what Colin Wilson does every single game. But he's actually playing with guys. Who are going to pick up on his cues and execute on what he's
0: what he's managing? He's also not playing on a line that's just trying to get out of their own zone, you know, on a short shift.
1: Yeah, right. I, it, it's it's a matter of putting the right personnel in the right spots. And uh, Wilson has had, unfortunately, his career has been being put in positions where he's not going to be successful, and everyone criticizing for not, not being successful. So yeah. it's it's been very counterintuitive. Self-fulfilling I think prophecy there. Yeah, I think very much so.
0: Um, so let's address the elf in the room. Game seven. Uh, nothing, I, in my game notes here, nothing positive happened for Nashville. <laughs> yeah. Like, Pecorini did not have a leg to stand on. I said going into the game, you know, this is one of those games you have a $7 million goalie for. And all five Sharks' goals, Weber and Yossi had miscues that either led directly or indirectly to all five Sharks' goals.
1: Yeah. If you weren't wondering if Yossi had an injury any time during the playoffs, you certainly knew in Game 7. Because he yeah. just, I mean... His stick work wasn't there, and then we found out he had a broken finger. Um, he had a broken nose too, which then that, that affects your ability to breathe. Yeah, and yeah. Exhausted. Uh, Pekka couldn't stay on his skates. It's it's like that they just replaced them with with hot dogs or something. Like well, he there was nothing for him to stand game on. Game six, I mean,
0: I, I honestly I was gonna. It was the terrible death of the Predators would have been if um, if Couture's winner had it held up because Pekka would just look lost. I've never seen a goaltender look more lost and just look like they're not even trying to play the position than looking at goal gold yeah. against Peckery. I right? mean,
1: Peckham fell out lost his mind in game seven. I mean, he was like rushing pucks and like getting way out of position and, and with the way the defense was playing, it's sort of like he was trying to be a third defenseman, but that's not really what a goalie needs to do when the defense in front of him is struggling so immensely.
3: Um, I, I, I racked my brain trying to think of what was going on in that game uh, during it. Uh, the only possible solution I thought of was, is it possible that the, the game plan going into it... Okay, lobby led and, and the coaching staff knew San Jose is going to come out just on fire, and they're going to want to try to score and score often and early. Yeah, and, and that possibly the idea was to concede possession, weather the storm, get through the first period... And they almost, they really, they almost did it. Just down one nothing, it ended up being two nothing. I think at, at the yeah. end of the first, and just and just saying, look, okay, all right, let's let's let them do their thing, let them sort of rope a dope and 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 get themselves into it, and then we can turn it on in the second. The only problem was you don't count for crazy, crazy things to happen like what happened. What forty seconds into the second period when Weber just loses the puck, and if that and, and at that point the game is over. At, at that point. Nothing else happened. My, m- m- there, yeah, there was no coming back at that it, point. It,
1: there was this bizarre fragility to the predators team that was out there. I mean, I was sitting there, you know, partway through the game, thinking, did they have like on the flight over? Did they all get into a huge argument and don't get along? Like they all hate right. each other now, and all of a sudden, like they can't play together? Or I mean, some it, it was just such a fundamental breakdown. Was that by the, the worst game
0: we've ever seen Shea Weber play?
1: Oh, easily. It was it was the worst game I've seen. Weber play it's probably the worst game game I've seen. Yosi play. I mean, it's one of the pr- worst games I've seen. The Predators play in yeah. in the modern Predators era.
0: I mean, it was what I when the Stars lost their game to the to the Blues at home. Like the internet was loved picking on the Stars, and you know because you know, the Stars literally crapped the bed at that point because mm-hmm. they were the better team for most of that series. They have Game Seven at home. They you know lay a big egg. I didn't see the same kind of vitriol towards the Predators because it was almost like it was understood like. This team is just exhausted, but the stars. Okay, w- how did the stars lose,
3: lose that game? They lost in the in the things that we already knew they had weaknesses in. Yeah, we knew their oh, weakness yeah. was the in Ten goal.
0: million dollars worth of goaltending that played like crap.
3: Yeah, exactly. It, well, how did we lose because of the what what is supposedly one of the best defenses in the in, in the NHL just yeah, losing and, its and, mind? You
1: know, and I couldn't help like I was really I was watching like a lot of you when they showed him and he just he looked flabbergasted. Yeah, he just is like I don't I I I don't know as a coach how I mean you can you can peel paint you can try and you know mix things up during the intermissions but when you're looking at that and you just see a your number one defenseman flailing around the ice like and going down uh, Pekka does not need you covering the five hole for him no he does not need you covering the bottom of the net that's where the goaltenders are strongest and you're just gonna leave Joe down.
0: Pavelski just sitting right there yeah, instead
1: mean, right. Shea Weber just doing asinine things
3: at the same How time do you coach that out of him
0: yeah right you losing can't. the puck in his skates you know on a the 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 epitome of this game was uh they start the, they're down three nothing third period starts it's almost like the Predators forget they're on a penalty kill mike fisher wins the face off and he ends up getting back possession right on the blue line leaves the puck for weber because weber you know likes to take that one time right from the inside of the blue line weber doesn't get there in time and now we have a 4-on-1 breakaway coming back the other way. And, and
1: just to make sure, you know, I want to be, just to be fair even to Weber, and, you know, when when Yossi goes for that weak, weak poke check. Uh, on, on Ward? On Ward. Yeah. And Ward just blows past him. Okay, Ward is not the speediest guy. He's got deceptive speed, but, yeah, he's not the fastest but, guy but in the world. But Ward is very strong. Ward is an incredibly strong guy. But to so me- if you try to do a, if you try to, like, one hand, especially when you've got a broken hand, a broken finger, you're going to try to poke check Joel Ward on the blue line He's coming in with speed? Just be in position. Just do what a defenseman's job exactly. is, and do like make the smart play.
3: Yeah, that, to me that was just all mental. What? Why, why yeah. are you doing it? It was a.
1: It was, and that's the thing. Like the Predators, it was not a physical thing. I mean, because mm-hmm. they would have shifts where they were on the ball, but it would just they would somebody would do something, just dumb, just 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 dumb, and then mm-hmm. they would all fall to pieces, and no one could recover from it. And They'd the Sharks get worse and worse. to their
0: credit, the Sharks for checking. Really, just oh. handcuffed the Predators. Oh, they were relentless. They were not able. To, the Predators weren't able to get out of their own zone right. comfortably ever.
3: And, and there, and it translated that that what happened then is is any offensive attack, which honestly, past the second period, there there was there was no offensive attack that made mm-hmm. any kind of sense. If you look at the Predators' shots, shot attempts, it there's no rhyme or reason to it. It looks like a Jackson Pollock painting. It's just it's just nonsense. It looks like what happens when you give a, a four-year-old a coloring book. It's just, "Man, I'm going to put colors here. There's no sense to it. It's a deep-voiced, uh, southern-accented baby. Oh, <laughs> toddler. No. Child? Whatever <laughs> the vernacular is. I don't know. It just there's, th- there's shots coming from just bad angles, and they're getting blocks. There's, like, tons of misses everywhere. So the offense was completely rattled by this because what did they have? They had their defense, who was completely rattled. Not even able to jump up into any kind of attack because they they just they w- had been burned for four three or four goals at that point they couldn't get anything going.
1: I think what it, we had uh, th- for three of those goals I know at least three because at some point I just kind of tuned out what was happening. I think three of those goals it was it was whatever Yosi playing they were out there for actually right? all
0: five goals was it all
1: five because at some they point like, like I at some po- I got just so bummed out I was like you know what I'm gonna put throw on the radio and play Civ Five while and listen to the game.
0: Getting nuked by Gandhi while you're listening to Sad Pete Weber.
1: No, I was in Brazil, so I was just building Brazil wood camps and exporting all of my culture to everyone else. They had they stood no chance.
0: Nice.
3: <laughs> I do need to play this game.
0: Yes, you got to play Civ. <laughs> Civ I Six have, is coming out in October. I have a PS3 version I can give you.
1: Okay, Civ Six in October.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I saw that the other day. I was like, we're totally going to talk about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got a. There's going to be a section that we're going to take uh, Twitter questions, but uh, John Codwright, who's been listening to the show for through several incarnations. Uh, asked this Works one and this company. is and this is um and this is kind of like ties into what we're what we 're talking about he asked um is it time to worry about Weber or was he just you know strategically worn down by the opposition or perhaps both because if you look at what the sharks were doing they were like playing vintage predators hockey where they the defensemen were for the other team were just going to get dive bombed by four checkers like Tierney, Spalling ward uh, guys that also that, for full disclosure about the San Jose Sharks, they have like seven or eight guys that sound like they are San Jose Sharks, like Matt Nieto, uh, Melko Carlson. I have no idea what make, what separates them up with from the next person's game, but they all sound like they're all San Jose Sharks, and they all sound like they have the same job. <laughs> right? Yeah,
1: no, I, I, I know what you mean, and so, it, there's a culture there
0: yeah so it's but watching them just completely dive bomb uh Weber and Yossi, and when you you saw like the intermission highlights of them just taking hit after hit after hit, and these are people who these are guys who don't typically get hit like this, so it's not hard to see why that Yosi has a broken finger and uh broken nose that happens that definitely has to happen on two separate plays because I've been replaying that in my mind, I don't see how you can get both broken at the same time I remember um, what it, I remember it was broken I remember unless
3: leading unless he in in his anger punched his own face.
0: The burn brawler typically, I don't, I don't see that happening. Um, okay, <laughs> but um, to to John's credit here, I think that may have been um, I mean, is that strategy because the Predators have a very top heavy decor with Weber and Yossi and then and Ellis that were dubbed the Four Horsemen by NBC and that's great. Um, that graphic though, oh yeah, my uh-huh. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> Anything that's identifiable, I'm, I'm I mean, that's yeah, not embarrassing. By the end of this game seven, there
1: are more three amigos and four horsemen. So what what's Oof. the question about Weber exactly?
0: Is it time to worry about Weber, or just was he strategically worn down by the opposition?
3: I'm going to let Alex take the lead on all <laughs> of this because I'm always worried about Weber. I, I do not think there's anything to worry about with Weber. One game does not make a player. I think his, his stats have basically not changed. Um, he's still going to be good for 15 to 20 goals a year and about 40, 50 points. He's still a big part of the power play. Regardless of how it needs to be changed, he's still a big part of that. Um, his, his possession numbers are basically the same. He was a, he was, he had seven points in the, in the playoffs. I mean, there's not, I I don't think there's anything to worry. He's only 31. Um, not a huge reason to expect much of a drop off for next year. Now, if we see a repeat of game seven next year, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. I, I sort of regard Weber as a, as a, uh, uh, high quality power play specialist at this point. Um, i mean he's he's certainly capable, he's a capable defenseman um i mean he tends to have pretty break even possession numbers um or near break even and, and and he has such a powerful shot that he's incredibly dangerous on the power play so i mean that's kind of how i i view him and and unfortunately he's relied on for a whole lot more than just those things i mean he's he is the cornerstone of the defense and um when his primary Point of, his primary note is scoring the power play, and and in the playoffs, your your power play is shooting eight uh, percent. I'm I'm definitely mm-hmm. worried.
3: Yeah, there certainly there needs to be fixes with the power play. Absolutely. Um, the other thing is this: I mean, if you if you were to figure out a partner for Weber and you try to move him, everything changes. It's no longer just it's who do you pair with Yossi? What happens with Ekholm and Ellis? Who do you go get? Who do you go replace them with? Uh, I think the pairing of Weber and Yossi is 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 as important as just Shea Weber, Shea Weber himself. I, it, think about it like this: what's the what's the combined cap hit for Weber and Yossi? What like eleven, ale, million, 11 million,
0: eleven and a half? Yeah.
3: So think about them each as six and a half million dollar players. I mean, or sorry, five and a half million dollar players. That that's fine with me. I, I'd be I'd, I'd be okay with Weber's production as a five and a half million dollar player. If Yo- Yossi's is the same,
0: Here, here's my stat it's when it comes to Weber. Perspective. Hmm. Stat when it comes to Weber. Weber takes more defensive zone draws than just about anybody in the league. That's a proven fact. He's a guy who's always out there on the defensive zone. Shea Weber, how much? Ma- what do you think about scoring chances? That's a, the big stat that I'm, I've kind of fo- focused in more, more so than shot attempts, more shot, more so than Fenwick, uh, Corsi, whatever. Shot attempts plus minus for Shea Weber. Where do you think he falls? For scoring chances, scoring chances.
1: Oh, he's got to be a, a, a decent plus. Plus seventy-eight. Yeah, but what happens when you when you uh, turn that from scoring chances into just shots?
0: Uh, the question was scoring chances. Yeah, no, no, but, but I
1: mean, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm insinuating. What I'm insinuating yeah. here is that he has an accuracy issue, which I've talked about before. Are you talking, so, talking about his own shooting? you
0: talking I'm, about his own shooting percentage. Like, I'm talking about
1: the whole, the whole. I'm, oh, I'm
0: looking at plus minus total. Like the fact. Oh, you're that, looking
1: at, the, at at when he's on the ice. When he's on the ice. Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought for just. I was thinking just him.
0: No, when he's on the ice, he's and when it comes to high danger, he's plus fifty.
1: Yeah. So I mean, well, I mean, when he's put you out can't there, can't sit. At,
0: you can't sit there and say that he's not a good defenseman when you're you're literally taking more draws in defensive zone than just about anybody else in the league and he's still a plus fifty in high danger scoring chances. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, I don't care I mean we can if we want to like uh put that against like some of the best defenders in the league, I mean we can we can pull up something real quick if you like.
3: I don't disagree with you he has an accuracy issue. Um I think um, sort of later in the season they started moving him to a different
0: area to shoot from. When they went to that one-three-one power play, yeah. he was able to slip lower into the yes. face-off circle, and he had he had a better shooting percentage. Uh,
3: with the numbers five-on-five, five, are they all that's five-on-five? Five. Okay, but also, but with the accuracy issues, he had his third. Is this right? Yeah, third third best shooting percentage regular season this year. He shot ten point six percent playoffs. Yeah, well,
1: that's. I mean, it's it's not sustainable and he scored well he what he scored 12 his his yeah. eight on the power play
3: his career his career shooting percentage in the playoffs is 9.5 so it goes down a little bit but i i'm just i my point is i i don't disagree with you as an accuracy issue but for a player that's only 31 that uh is the cap it that he is um i, I realize the cap it's huge but i i don't th- i don't think one i don't i do not think one game or even a few games make a player uh so that's, that's my take. For the
0: sake of it, I'm going to see if I can just run a quick comparison with Eric Carlson as far as uh, <laughs> high-danger scoring chances well, go. Well, why
1: not? Like, um, why not I, I, I think you need to pull in a couple. you got okay. pulling guys like Anton Strawman. You need to have Victor right. Hedman, Brett Burns. Let's pull, let's pull Tampa Bay um, and Brett San, San Jose. Burns is a great example. Okay,
0: perfect. That that gives me what I need. We're going to pull in Ottawa, Tampa Bay, San Jose, and Nashville. Defensemen, high-danger scoring chances, plus minuses, and how many they generate, of course, how many they give up. Sound good? Sure. Uh, number one and two are Justin Braun and Mark Edward Vlasic figures that's a very I mean look who they're paired with I get it um, actually let me just go regular you want regular season playoffs or all uh,
1: regular season
0: okay let's go regular season because you know the I Bron- think
1: play- playoff stats are wonky in my opinion because they're, they're you're, very you're pacing
0: against the same guys so you can game plan for them I get it um, well, definitely with you on that alright so number one and two are still Braun and Vlasic uh, by the way the Sharks had are, are, are generate more high danger scoring chances than anybody in the league I get that. So Brent Burns is number three. Number uh, number four and five, who do you think he would be? Weber and Yossi. No.
3: Hmm.
0: Eckholm Ellis, 85 and 82. Oh, I don't believe that. Uh, number six, Paul Martin. So
1: you're saying that Weber is even the best defenseman <laughs> on his team. <laughs>
0: well, he's playing against... But those guys are playing against I'm just, lesser no, competition. Just a joke. Yeah, but the, that's your brand, though. Uh, Weber is actually ahead of uh, Headman Strawman... Uh, Yossi, Yossi's a 30, Yossi is plus 30, Weber is plus 59.
1: Which is weird, because they, don't they play almost every minute together? Almost. On 5-on-5? Five five?
0: When it comes to high danger scoring chances, let's see what our good friend uh, Eric Carlson is at, just for the hell of it, because I haven't... Well, ed-
1: how much of a... How much of a fa- see, so my question is, because I don't... I, I haven't spent a lot of time with advanced stats this season as much as in the past. It, it, I, I'm getting this impression that Scoring chances for seems a really good measure of team performance on ice. Like the, the squad that is on the ice, less mm-hmm. so than the individual player. So maybe you have to collectively break do deeper analysis in each player to see who where the contrib- contributions are coming from. Okay, yeah, I think because because when you're talking when you're listening to these things out, yeah, uh, Eric Carlson's going to have a terrible differential because he, he's he's a, lead a player on an awful awful. There team. is a
0: high danger scoring chances relative to the team, so we can look at that. Sure. Uh, number one, well, I don't let me do a game filter here, because I don't think Luke Witkowski belongs in this conversation. <laughs> I don't know. I've heard good things about... Where does he play? Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> good things about him in Tampa. Well, Tampa does have a pipeline for that kind of stuff. Um,
3: While you're looking this up, can I make a p- quick point about I have the, about I have the power it. play? So, I guess I should point out, okay, this is viewer, listener, discretion advised. Please, you know, <laughs> hide children from this, this uh, statement that I'm about to make. Nashville had the second most power play opportunities among all, sec- all multi- among among all teams in the playoffs, second most. They had like 48 power play opportunities. They were dead last in power play efficiency, 8.7%. That's f- they were 4 for 46. 46 per- uh, is how many power plays they got. I, 4 for 46. Yeah, I
1: I like I was talking this was in the first round, I was I was talking and say special teams are going to be a deciding factor for the Predators, and I, I was told no, it's, their special teams in, are in fine. And I'm like series, no, but they, they cannot score in the power play.
0: In the Anaheim series, it wasn't. I don't think it was the. I don't think it was a huge difference. Now in the San Jose series, night and day.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I think the Predators would have put the Ducks away quicker if they could score in the power play. Yeah, that's the difference. Have. It w- it was a win more scenario, I think, in it, for mm, the Ducks series, yeah. but for the Sharks, definitely a huge game changing difference.
0: So relative to the team, by the way. Uh, Mark where Vlasic and Justin Braun blow away the field. Um, after that, Atteholm and Ellis, Chris Weidman of all people, Hedman, Carlson. I have no idea who Patrick. We're we're. Uh, yeah, not even gonna try that name. Strawman, Weber, Garrison, and then goes down the list there from to Paul Martin. Brent Burns is actually a net minus, and and Yosi's actually below him.
3: It's because he's like below the circles half the time.
0: Yeah, this is true. He, he's kind of he's kind of a uh, crazy Ivan style. <laughs> um, Brent. Yeah,
1: so I, I think before judge, I think yeah, I think it's. But if, it's we, interesting. If, we, if we
0: can't put, I mean, Brent Burns puts up some crazy numbers, but let's not act like that. Weber's this absolute garbage, you know, defender, or anything no, and that's like that. that's the
1: thing. Like, I have my, my argument against Weber is is highly nuanced. It is he is a high quality player, but he is not the player everyone likes to pretend he is. No. That's my argument at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you, he's 30 years old now. He's not going to be the player he was at 26, 27. Well, no. I
1: don't, I don't even expect that. But I, I, I don't think he's ever quite been the player anyone thinks he is. He I looked, just think I think the, the way we evaluated talent when he was 26 is different than how we evaluate talent now. Yes. And that, and, and, and but Weber is still judged by that original measure mm-hmm. because it's still the prevailing hockey culture and the prevailing fan culture. And that will shift, and the perception of Weber and a legacy view will shift. It's, 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 almost, it's ultimately a moot argument because Weber isn't going anywhere, Let, and nothing is going
3: to change. What if this happened? Like, let's assume that Weber was a UFA. What would he get on the market right now? He, so he's at $7, at 7 million, roughly. What would, he, what would he get? Oh, he'd probably get the same or more.
0: Yeah, he'd be, he'd, same cap hit.
3: See, I disagree. I think he'd go down. He'd be closer you know with like his numbers.
0: And his perception six and a half is the very low end on his, on what he does. His brand
1: is still high.
0: Hmm. I mean, when you, if you, you just, you just disagree with, if you dig into like the matchup stats of how he (laughs) plays against some of the top end talent of the, of the Western conference compared to like how a drew Dowdy plays against them and how Brent Burns plays against them. The value of Weber is much deeper than just what we can, where we're able to pull up offensive numbers. Um, I actually did that one day. I actually pulled through like uh, it's stats.hockeyanalysis.com. They have like matchup stats to see how he matched up against like a Nutrien Hopkins, Taylor Hall, um, just everybody in the West, and uh, it's pretty impressive.
3: It's because uh, the reason I thought it might go down is a little bit is because uh, Brent Burns makes about five, six.
0: That's I, a steal.
3: It, it absolutely is a steal, and he would be he would be probably more like seven or eight right now. I do yeah.
0: And yeah. It, it oh, burning, wait, but that...
3: So you
1: the last... Number numbers, they were the relative, right? Yeah. Okay, so that was Brett Burns' negative relative to the... Uh, yeah. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah, because that makes more sense in my brain. Because I'm like, how could he... Uh, it's just been dwelling and spinning. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh,
0: it's because it's relative to the team and the yeah. Sharks are so good. Yeah. Right. But Vlasic and Braun are so much better than everybody else. Yeah, and... and, and I think it's so because good. they're deployed with their... With their top yeah, because
1: even the relative stats... You can't, you, there's only so much you can detangle a player from where he, from who he plays with.
0: And let's be honest, if you're rolling out Joe Pavelski, Joe Thornton, and, and Tomas Hurdle, you can roll out me and you as their defensive pairings and pull the goalie and put him out, and put Alex out there, and we'd still have a positive shot attempt, probably. Um, let's dive into some rest of the Twitter question. We got some really good stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, this ain't Skip is the, uh, actually, it's Jer- at Jeremy Bayless, because he doesn't want to be Skip Bayless. I get you, man. Uh, would you guys be interested in trading Weber? <laughs> if so, <laughs> what's the minimum you would take right now? is he, No, is he a Predators fan? Yeah. Oh, um, well, I would. Um, you know what? It, here, I'll I'll leave this one off because I had a whole day to think about this. Um, if the Avalanche are really making Tyson Berry in play, yes, I would trade. I would trade Weber for Tyson Berry and a package just to see what else you can get back. Because the Avalanche are dumb, and if, they, yeah, <laughs> if the Predators so, can well, take advantage of the Avalanche being dumb, great. I,
1: I think you only tra- you only trade Weber if you know he's going to a team where he's going to be very happy being. Because um, he is of course, no trade protection whatsoever, so they can go anywhere. Um, but he needs to go someplace that he's going to be very happy for a very long time. place he wants to retire to. Because if the Predators trade him, the Predators still deal with all the cap or capture penalties. And so if he gets traded to the Avalanche and can't get free or whatever, he decides to retire or something... That just hurts the Predators. They're better off having him on the team and just sticking it out than they are trading him in a lot of ways. Because you're better off taking full advantage of the asset you have than letting someone else take advantage of the asset and having to pay for it when he retires. But that's
0: seven years down the road from now. Or five years down the road yeah, from so, now. Yeah, so that's I said, right take,
1: take, take advantage of the asset now. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to pay for it one way or another. You might as well minimize the cost to yourself and use a decent asset. This is true. Okay. I mean, if he's going to put up 20 power play goals, 15 power play goals. Sorry, I said 20 goals. Sorry, 20 goals,
3: 15 goals.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. I mean, you want that. You absolutely mm-hmm. want that. Um, why trade that away and have to pay for it seven years later?
3: Yeah, I, I don't trade him. I think any trading of him would be kind of a knee-jerk reaction. And as I already said, I think the the way you've got your defense built right now, regardless of how bad it was in that one game, it's it's one of the best double pairings of defense in the entire league. The one
1: thing, the one caveat I will throw out is uh, I was I was talking uh, with with a knowledgeable person this morning, um, because if there's an expansion draft, apparently the way it's going to work is if you take the contract, you take the contract. Yeah. Like it is, you the team that had it before, there's no obligation; it's not their contract anymore. So, if there's an expansion draft, do not protect Weber, because there's there's two possible outcomes. One, people are so intimidated by, intimidated by the contract that they don't touch him. All right. Fine. Net 0. Someone takes him. You are off the hook for a horrible contract. Probably the worst. Yeah, it's I would give it a slight edge being the worst contract on the Predators books. Yeah. Um which yeah, you're losing a, a serious notable major asset. But it's going to free up the Predators, uh, cash-wise, and give them some some future stability. And you're able to
0: go out and, and replace that. That's a replace. I mean, because Weber ref- Weber defers so much of his duties to Yosi now, where he doesn't Weber when he was signed to that contract was a dynamic, he was the most complete defenseman in the game. Guy who skated up and down the ice. Guy who would, uh, as long as he had Ryan Suter watching his back, he could do whatever he wanted to on the ice. But because Roman Yosi is more of a finesse player. It forced Weber to be more of a stay-at-home guy, and he's not the skater that he was, either either because he doesn't have to be or because he doesn't want to be or because his body doesn't allow him to be. I don't know what the excuse is. So they can replace his role for someone making $4 million a year. I mean, look what the Lightning did by bringing in Anton Strawman to play alongside Victor Hedman. I mean, Strawman's just a stay-at-home guy, and he's now one of the most indispensable defenders on that team.
1: Just imagine if you could take Weber's cap hit and go out and, and you know look at the free agent market or, some, or something close to and say, well, we can do that. And given inflation, or whatever, we can add another million or two on top of that. You could just be like, we want that defenseman because we can we can just pay you. And so we could be the uh, the Minnesota Wild to to the Predators, Ryan Souter. Yeah. and do a reversal of that situation, that sort of thing, except yeah, getting yeah. a good defenseman.
3: Yeah, there's something to that. I mean, look at Brent Burns with Paul Martin is, I mean, who who would have who would have thought that would happen? I mean. It, could, could you go find a, a Paul Martin equivalent for Roman Yosi out there? I don't know, probably.
0: There's not a whole lot of those guys being developed anymore. Yeah. I mean, when you look at, look at the type of defensemen that are being developed, it's like the smooth skating guy who sees the entire ice. Your Oliver Ekman Larson, I believe, is like the prototype of the next generation of defensemen. Him I think I, I would I
1: would I would say yeah, Seth Jones. Even Roman, Roman is that type as well. Yeah. Um. I mean, Ekholm and Ellis, and those are their types. I mean, Ekholm is is has adapted his game, um, to be a partner for Ellis, which is what is most impressive about him as a player. Um, because he wants to be Ryan Ellis, but he's like, no, that's his job. I'm going to be Matthias. I'm going to be Ekholm. They're so you know, much better 2. together. Oh, they're, the be- they're the Predators' They're the best pairing together as yeah. far as just creating things going forward. I mean, uh, defensively, I don't. They're not quite. I don't think they're not quite Weber day, Yossi, day in you know. day out Weber and Yosi, but that's fine.
0: All right, um, Preds warm up signs. I'm really excited about this account. I don't know who's running this account. This is obviously the, uh, someone's like project, but I'm really excited for this. Uh, they write in, "What do you think the future is with Ribeiro play next season? Trade buyout? You know what? Stew Can on, you him on fire. Stew on that. Stew on that because we're between that. You stew on you know man. And then my uh, Cody Holland also ride. also want us to go through the roster as well. Which uh, so save your bullets for that. To, uh, yeah. Uh, do uh, for us to do after the break. Stephen Lowry writes in on a scale of one to twenty-three. How many crying Jordans does that last game seven rank? Twenty-three, probably. Was one just, one how, to
3: twenty-three. Where what? How many crying Jordans? Oh, does crying Jordans. Yeah, you know
0: the crying Jordan meme. Yeah, on,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, sorry. I was, I was,
0: <laughs> I had to tone down your headline. And you were
4: so pissed off after oh, that god, game. Yeah, I was ready to <laughs> throw
3: it all away. <laughs> Dan texts me and he's like can, maybe no and I'm like, like okay how about, you,
4: how about you
0: just make make the headline cuz <laughs> I I mean Predators fans I mean this is kind of me speaking to everybody here in the group just kind of you know putting my arm around you when the team doesn't win you guys don't visit our site at all compared to when it's like when the team when the team uh right when the team so wait, wins. When
1: team's win, when the team's losing i get more twitter followers I've, uh,
0: when I was, um <laughs> to say about me? When I was working for local sport retailer, I was uh, I was always told that uh, that Knoxville was such a helter skelter market for us because when the Vols did not win a football game, people didn't buy anything. Mm-hmm. Like people didn't buy cars. People, you know, would buy cars? Yeah, like it literally was an economic impact on the city of Knoxville. Like home sales were down whenever the team wasn't winning. Just, like from and season that, to season. That
1: feels like you know correlation in causation. <laughs> Uh, oppose uh, correlation versus causation because that's a little. Ex- it's like the vol's lost lost. Guess I'm not buying that house I needed. <laughs> I'm just so <laughs> damn
0: depressed now. I got, I
1: got that. I may have gotten that big bonus check, but I'm not buying that underground pool. I I'm didn't not get having no that damn bonus
0: check because the ball was lost.
1: Yeah. <laughs> there, would be, there would be no raises because the vol was lost. Like we work in healthcare. Like we're <laughs> a maternity ward. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh wait, that makes more sense than I would think. Yeah, because
0: people aren't having babies. Because team's not winning. And yeah,
3: there you go. Boom. I get that though. Object bomb right there. I'm kind of, I'm kind of like bomb. that. When 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 the team loses, I get I get uh, just my, my physic physically I get ill when we lose a game like that. Anyways, I mean if we lose a game in you know January, I don't get upset. But losing a game like, game like that affects me.
0: Uh, honestly, it was all house money after they won the first round for me. Um, mm-hmm. I made mean, me bad. I mean, you're not a real fan, Dad, but no, I was, I was all right after that.
1: I just, I just responded
0: by spreading Protestantism to the uh, the Celts. <laughs> Jason Seabird writes, which is actually more iconic. Uh, more, the need more for a net presence was obvious in the playoffs. Uh, is that something that Joey could provide on the top line or any solutions? He's asking about uh, what kind of that third element of the top line. Um, First off, how did you guys like the top line with uh, Johansson, Forsberg, and uh, Arvidsson compared to the regular season top line of Jarnkrook and Neal with Johansson?
3: I didn't see much difference. I can think Arvidsson was just doing better at the time.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, Arvidsson and Jarnkrook, I, mean, I think I think uh, Jarnkrook's a more complete player, but I think Arvidsson is going to create a little more chaos in, in the offensive zone. Um, he's going to, I mean, you know what he's going to do, but whatever he's going to do is going to just be a pain to deal with it's not going to like be threatening but it's it's annoying and there's a lot to be said for an annoying player because he's he's able to agitate without actually ever being an agitating type player which is a really cool thing for me
0: yeah he's yeah. just a pain to he's just a pain to deal with
3: now having seen it work really well i, I would be more than on board with a johansson Neal wilson top line next year but we can get into that later if you like Ooh. I, I mean i just thought that looked great
0: yeah Uh, Ethan Davis writes in, could this be the year Poyle does some big spending? Uh, He talks about David Backus and Louis Erickson being out there, but uh, even like a Franz Nielsen, plenty of options out there. He asked uh, specifically, what do you see the Predators doing for the the number two center position? we got a lot of questions on this.
3: I, I know my target right now would be David Backus.
0: Really? Yeah. He's going to get around, probably around six, uh, around six and change at least, because he's the number one center on the market right now.
3: I I, I would like, I think you could get him for like five, five or six, whatever it is. The
0: Blues offered him, I believe, uh, right around six, and he said no. Is that, really? Yeah. Okay. That's the rumblings I've heard out of St. Louis. Okay,
3: go seven. Go seven. Really?
0: Yeah. I wouldn't, for a guy who's north of, who's north of 31, north of, he's like 32 years old. He's,
3: he's a, he's a great possession player. He's big. He's got. Uh, he's he's going to get fifty points a year. He's got. He's going to score twenty goals. I think he, he's, he's the anti ribero in terms of that sense. He's not. He's not Mike Ribeiro. Uh, I could. I would imagine him with the line with with Forsberg and Smith. I think that would work really well. Maybe you could always move one of the current. You're just saying it's a money thing, right? You just don't think the money's. There. I mean, I you, love
0: David Backus. Yeah. That's a money thing. Yeah. I mean,
1: you've got several converted wingers or converted centers on your team. Maybe see one of them can earn the spot. I mean. It, not, I mean, I, that's kind of a very I got a dull, re- crappy answer, but
0: I've got a, uh, I got an ultimate, like, scorching hot take uh, answer for a two center we're going to get into uh, <laughs> after the break. So, uh, uh, Seabird also <laughs> in with, wrote in with a second question. This was really good. Um, also, uh, Phil Housley's name being tossed around, uh, was being tossed around last year for mm. head coaching, not so far this year. How long before Phil Housley gets a chance as a head coach and uh, leaves the Predators organization?
3: Uh, I, would, I mean I wouldn't be shocked if it happened this year I, I hope it doesn't but I don't I think you have a few more years
1: um, yeah I mean I, I I think it I think he's a few years out I don't know how much he's demonstrated that's exceptional um, yeah I because the thing is he's he has to fight against the churn and, and it seems like NHL teams are so hesitant to 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 not either promote within or go with an established coach I mean I Sadly, I think Randy Carlisle is, 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 has an easier time getting an NHL job than Phil Housley yep. as, a, as a head coach. And Carlyle a proven modern-era NHL loser.
2: Hmm.
0: Let's see. There was a couple other ones that, have, that are pretty much rephrases the stuff we'd already answered. Um, Joe, I'm not going to try your last name. Uh, K-N-I-Z-E-W. Yep, sorry, bro. Uh, I, I do apologize. He asked uh, what your biggest objectives are in the off season, or what are the Preds' biggest objectives in the off season? I think filling out the uh, we're going to get into that a little bit later on. Just filling out the second line and just kind of figuring out what they're going to do with their uh, with their bottom six. You know, yeah. Gostas probably not going to be back. You know, that Carter Hutton is probably not going to be back.
3: I think they need to fill their needs. Yeah,
0: that sounds like a hot take right there. Yeah,
3: man. I mean it's it's a uh,
1: backup goalkeeping. I think um, finding a, a long term solution for your number six defenseman. How about um, this? I mean, that's a minor thing, but it's it's important.
0: I mean, James Neal's not going anywhere. James Neal's got uh, a couple more years left on his contract. Play him at defense. Him uh, go. He's going to be. He's got a no-trade clause for the next two year for the next three years, actually. So, and that's cool. James Neal, if he does what he did this year again, great. That's kind of that's what you want from him. Wilson's not going anywhere. Smith's probably not going to go anywhere. I say Wilson's not going to go anywhere because he's getting paid under four million, just under four million dollars. It's not a terrible contract. Um, I don't. Think how about can. this? How about finding me deciding what you want to do with Philip Forsberg because. You know, you know Philip Forsberg's going to get paid. That's not the question about paying him. You're going to pay the guy. But do you want to have a second line that for, that features him, or do you want Forsberg to be featured on the top line? Mm. That's the question I have regarding Philip Forsberg. Do you want to bring in another center so you have two legit scoring lines, or do you want to have a just a loaded top line and then have a bunch of guys that might could score? Because both formulas have worked at different times in the NHL. I'm a, I'm a fan of the two-line, of having two top scoring lines. Um but not every coach and not every GM feels that way.
3: I think when Forsberg has struggled, it's been when he's tried to do too much. And I think if he just has a role, that's a scoring scoring winger on that second line. That I think that's all you need.
0: I think if you put him beside a um, a player that plays like David Backus, because mm-hmm. Backus, you know exactly what he's going to do. He's going to play in front of the net on one side of the ice, and then protect his own end on the other side of the ice. Right. If you could somehow just go back in time and then get him, you know, <laughs> get him out of Dana right. St. Louis sooner. He'd be great for him, but I don't see it happening.
1: Well, yeah, As far as this center thing goes, one kind of off-the-wall possibility is that the uh, Philadelphia Flyers may not be able to afford to pay Braden Shen. Uh, the, the Flyers have $64 million committed to uh, to, to, to their team, for, for, to 18 players in 2016, Ooh. 2017. And Shen is a restricted free agent at the end of the season. I thought you were going to mention Sam Gagné. Um. Yeah, that'd be like another uh, long string of $1 million wonders that Boyle brings in. Um, <laughs> we know how those guys go. Yeah, I, some, when someone pointed out that Steve Moses was a this season thing, I was like, that seems so long ago that everyone was like, Steve Moses. And I'm like, guys, he's going to suck. And everyone's like, no. And then he was terrible because he didn't even make the team. And he didn't do well. <laughs> like, he's, he's a guy who goes overseas at, at his age. And find success in Sweden in one season when he was fought, like just had an average. No, sorry, KHL. Like, yeah, you Yeah, Because he was made oh, that just bugs me. But yeah, yep. I mean, there's an outside chance maybe Shen is, is something you could pick up somehow.
0: One last question before we get to the break. Uh, Preach the cap writes in which predator uh, do you be- which cr- predator do you want to be with you during the zombie apocalypse? I'm Shea
3: Weber, right? Well, after Game Seven, I, I want. Pecorine out there with a goalie stick just hacking away yeah, at some Sh- zombies. Whoever Sh- Weber has, has dug the dog, so put Have Doug the dog. Have, have the, give the zombie some hockey sticks and uh, p- have him put five past Pecorine and then he'll just go ham. How
1: about Salamaki?
0: Because Salamaki yeah. just doesn't care.
1: Yeah, at that point I just take Bork over Salamaki.
0: Mm. Salamaki's more likely to severely injure somebody. Yeah. Including himself. Including himself. How about Cody Bass? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How about Cody Bass? Well, he I mean, was about severely injuring himself. I mean, he had like a Wiley Coyote-style smash into the boards that ended his playoffs. Yeah, he did. That was pretty great. Mm. Oh, man. Coming up on the other side of the break, we're going to get to your questions from the comments section. Also, break down the roster and uh, who we expect to be back, who's not going to be back. Touch on the other series as well. And we also got five tough questions. This is broadcast brought to you by Lion's Own Internet Marketing Solutions on the 4
4: These days, you need a partner current and latest website design standards. One that also provides quality support services like hosting, email, e-commerce, CMS, and more. And you need a partner experienced in online branding and marketing, like social media, search engine marketing, rich media, and email marketing. You need a partner that knows how to market your company in today's age of advertising. You need Lionzone. Their professional staff and partners have the know-how, creativity, and experience to help you reach your marketing goals. Contact them today for a free consultation at 615-353-0402. That number again is 615-353-0402. Or you can reach them on their website at www.lionzone.com. Lionzone, Nashville's leading internet marketing agency since 1999.
0: Welcome back in. Um, we went ahead and before the show began, we actually did two things we don't typically do before a show. And number one, we uh, actually popped a bottle of wine for the first time in four some odd years we've been doing this. Um, stopped by and saw my friend uh, Jeremy, uh, who actually Jeremy Sargent, writes on the site. Uh, City's Liquors is in Laverne. It's on the right side of the road. If you're headed towards uh, headed towards Murfreesboro from Laverne, just past the Big Kroger, Um I mean, I'm a wine guy. Link's a bit of a wine guy as well. This place actually has like a wine selection that actual wine people would enjoy because he has a lot of good stuff that most of it's under 20 bucks. And let's be honest, if you're drinking a lot of wine, you're not going to spend more than 20 bucks on a bottle over and over again. Um, today we tried the uh, Dreaming Tree, which is Dave Matthews Vineyard uh, Crush, which is a red blend. And Link is making some very disturbing faces, making you know, the back of the label. Yeah,
1: I mean everything was was fine. I mean it's like okay, well here's here's the collaboration, here's the season why I'm making all these things, and then but there's these like quotes on the back. Oh, are they and, a, are they smug as hell? The one says, and I I assume these are lyrics to a song, so I'm, I'm sure. What would you say? It said, no. It says <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it's, it's it, a here self-help. I have to read this. <laughs> Go so for it. Go this for is for the it. quote. Let's hear it. Uh, a hot day, two dogs chase a stick thrown into a pond. Again and again, the older, slower dog never gets the stick and moans the effort, but always goes in, maybe this time.
3: Dave Matthews. So it's like a motivational poster on the back of a wine bottle.
1: I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I assume I, there's a metaphor. That's a, a, metafor- that's it's a, a hell metaphor. of a metaphor, man.
3: But I don't quite know what's a metaphor for. Wow. It, it, is it like a...
0: So, the person drinking this bottle may be the older, slower dog.
3: This is what happens when when everyone around you tells you that the stuff you're writing is really good and you need to keep going. This is what happens.
1: I want to know, because I'm sure, like, I know this is a metaphor for something, but it's not explicit anywhere what this is a metaphor for. Why would you put that on the back of a wine bottle? So, here's what. So, that's what Dave Matthews contributed to here. This is what the, the winemaker, Sean McKenzie, contributed. Our Dreaming Tree Crush is a special blend that Dave and I hand-selected from our favorite varieties. This wine pulls you in with notes of smoky berry and a pop of raspberry jam. It's the kind of wine you're going to want to share with your friends, whether you're sitting at the dinner table or outside in the patio. Meanwhile, Dave Matthews says, <laughs> dogs chasing sticks. Don't
0: be the slow dog, because... I don't...
1: I, I don't know. I'm sure there's a Dave Matthews fan who's like, he's missing the obvious underlying genius, and I'm like, there's dogs chasing sticks. I know there's a metaphor there, but I couldn't care less. I couldn't care well, less. You know, I don't I, know. I couldn't care less.
0: It it's, it's almost kind of depressing, the fact that the older dog just, is just doing it to have a good time, knowing that he's not going to get there. But, I, I mean, mean is, is that the is chances that the are, story? if you're reading the back of the wine bottle, you've probably already consumed all the contents. And let's face it, if you're reading the back of the wine bottle, it's because you're drinking alone, and you're probably, you know, let's face it, if you killed an entire wine bottle by yourself, that probably speaks a lot about you. And I don't know, if I read that, like, after consuming, like... You know, if, let's say, like, say like it's after game seven and I've already just stuck the big straw in the bottle. I'm not even going to bother with glasses anymore. <laughs> I've done that. It's actually, and, do they make those?
1: I've got some huge straws. Like, like, a, like a, uh, a straw designed to go in a bottle of wine?
0: I just literally have like a straw that's like a tra- bottle.
1: Hey, whoever's straw. listening, I've just trademarked that. That's mine. <laughs> I'm going to make that product. Don't you dare copy that.
0: You mean to tell me that no one's, no one's done that before? That, probably. but That's I've, how
3: patent law works. All you have to do is say it and then it's good. <laughs>
0: Lawyers will back me up on I that. I sit it on you know. here. It's mine now. <clears throat> let's get into some comment section questions before we uh, degrade this one any further. But seriously, shout out to uh, Jeremy and the job that he does over there And uh, on game days. And also during the season, if you uh, wear Predator's gear into his store, you get a discount. It's kind of cool. Uh, let's start with this guy. Uh, DJ's Island, who is a noted Colin Wilson hater, leads off with the most predictable question known to man. He asked us straight up, uh, would treating Colin Wilson be a possibility... His trade value cannot get any higher.
1: Is it a possibility? Sure. I mean, you're right. Yeah, there's absolute wisdom there that his value could not be higher right now. He put, turned in a fantastic performance. He's uh, probably, I mean, if you're really concerned with, hey, maybe he's not going to hit his cycle. Maybe he's going to have another down year, which he hasn't, He's always, he's very he's been cyclical. Uh, yeah, maybe you cut your loss, say, we're just going to cut a loss and try to cash in. That's possible. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's, I don't I don't necessarily think it's the
3: right move. Um, I think it's deployment for Colin Wilson,
1: but uh, I think it's certainly a possibility. Yeah,
3: that made me think about the uh, trade talks earlier in the year, where Wilson was in. the The common rumor was Wilson for Hartnell, and how uh, I think we would have regretted that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Imagine,
0: okay, imagine this penalty kill going against the Ducks or the Sharks with Hartnell in the box. With Hartnell in the box every single game. (laughs) Yeah. I
3: I I don't think you trade him. I I think. if anything why is it so unrealistic to think that uh, I know that your you know link your thing is that he he always has played this way. We just happen to recognize it in the playoffs. but let, let's think positively here for a moment and think that maybe he's turned a corner. He's about to be 27. I mean, why would you not take advantage of let's say in two, if you trade him and then in two years he's still sitting on a pretty cheap contract we'd feel pretty dumb for trading away a player that it could contribute 20 to 30 goals a year and uh at that level. I mean, I don't think you trade away.
0: I don't see him ever scraping 30 goals, but I think if he gets to like, you know, to 20 points, 25 yeah. assists, I'm cool with that. Yeah. I mean, he's not getting he's not even getting paid 4 million dollars a year. Yeah, yeah mean, he, he won't 40 be 40 to 50 but. points. That'd be great. I mean, I'd love a, to see him thirty fifty he points. He drives but. possession. I mean, you put him. I mean, he literally enhances whoever he plays next yeah, to him.
1: And, and that's always been one of my big arguments: is, is that I really do think Colin Wilson is a, is a player who is not not measurable by traditional hockey measures. He shows up more when you do deep analysis of the team, and he's he's a standout player in that way. So I, I don't think he's quantifiable in in kind of the current uh, mainstream hockey vernacular um that's kind of my, my stance. On when that. you
0: put him next to James Neal and uh, Mike Fisher, that became an instant offensive line. When you put him them next to Victor Arvidsson, who kind of just does his own thing, that was more of a defensive line his
3: His average time on ice last year was two minutes less than previous years. I mean, he just didn't see the ice as much. He didn't have as many shots. He also shot at a lower rate. It's just yeah, last year was last year was not good. It, there's no way it doesn't get better.
0: And let's also address that Mike Fisher didn't have a good year until the playoffs.
3: Yeah, I was still talking about Wilson. Sorry. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, well, the player right. that, that Colin Wilson was playing next to, exactly. Mike, didn't have a great year to start with. Right. Uh, Jeffrey one hundred and one Y writes in: Did the penalty kill miss Bork as much as I think it did? And is he the is he the spalling addition to this summer's trade options?
1: I'm Bork, not. Ha- Bork is a tough. Qu- I mean, how do we evaluate Bork? Yeah. How do you evaluate Gabriel Bork? When was, was, we haven't seen him since when did he last October, play? right? Since November. A long time ago. It's, I think it's been November. Yeah. How do you evaluate him? I, I still think ba- you know, Bork where he is typically at, you know, Salimaki took over his
3: spot. He played 20, I, he played twenty two games this year. His last game was November twenty seventh. Yeah, November. So yeah. I, I I just think he's he's a uh, Salamaki's is a less good Gabby Bork,
1: and if Bork can play, then you play him over Salamaki.
0: What the Sharks illustrated is that if you have two lines that are full of just solid forechecking guys that can go at the other, the other, the other team's zone and just create havoc, and that's what the Predators did for years and years under Barry Trotz, and and it is effective. Now, you don't have to have top-end scoring to balance that out, but having lower two lines that can skate, that aren't the Paul Gostad and Eric Nystrom dreadnoughts out there just sucking up ice time, Gabriel Bork is the exact opposite of that. Gabriel Bork, Mika Salamaki, those are high-energy guys that I think there's always a place for them in the hockey rink.
3: I don't think I, so. The, to answer the question, I don't think the PK missed Bork. I don't think the PK was necessarily bad. Uh, I think it was, I think it was fine for for what it needed to be. Um, staying out of the box was more important. But um, I, I, I think the PK could be fine with with Yarnkroc. With I, I like Forsberg on the PK. I think he does a good job there.
0: I think when he when he figures it out that the simple play is completely fine with the penalty kill, right. Because Joel Ward's uh, goal or whoever's goal that was in the um, in game was it game four, game three or game four? I think it was game four, where uh, the play was offside or the play could have been offside. Was it game six? I don't even know. They're all just running together to me at this point. I don't mean game four, but he he's, that's like three or four times he's done that this year. Where oh, he could have cleared it, yeah. could have just cleared it instead. He tried to make a play happen. Play ended up getting stolen. So. Uh, let's see here. Gambit. Uh, no, let's go with this one first. Captain Mayhem writes in uh, these are their names. Um, would you like to hear their thoughts, or he would like to hear our thoughts on Shea Weber as captain? And his uh, reasoning behind this is that when the Sharks stripped uh, Joe Thornton of captaincy, they went a full year without being a captain, and went to Pavelski, and everything you hear about is how this is a different Sharks team, different Sharks locker room. Hmm. He's, t- he's thinking that the Preds really haven't done much with uh, Weber wearing the C, and uh, he talks about the extra leadership and all that. Um. We never hear any problems about the Predators' locker room being a, no. being an issue.
1: There's a difference between, uh, I mean, the captaincy for a lot of teams is about is about on the ice, about who talks to the officials, who's the who's supposed to be the representative on the ice. Uh, I, I think it's pretty commonly known that in the locker room, the leaders naturally emerge, and Weber is a leader in the locker room, from what we're told, with with, with some other guys who step up. Fisher's, I think, one of those guys. Uh, I can't. I, I just can't. I don't think I list out names. But Neil is a locker room. Yeah, but there, there's leaders emerge in the locker room differently than they lead, uh, or than in other areas. Um, I, I think fans and and pundits put a lot more emphasis on on the captaincy
0: than uh, culturally inside the teams. I think certain teams that have more good old Canadian boys care more about the captain than other teams do. I could see that. I mean, because you look at the Sharks locker room, where the captaincy obviously was a big deal. You had a lot of you know Canadian and American guys in there that apparently that mattered to them. Mm-hmm. And I think with both teams that have more of a European influence, it doesn't matter as much. That's just my you know piping hot take right there.
1: But. Well, you also have a I mean because anytime we talk about Europe, I always think about hey, what do they care? What they, I mean, granted, Finland and Sweden and hockey is still number one, but but I mean, soccer defines the culture in the at a lot of these sporting events and. What happens when your captain gets substituted off in the you know 75th minute? He just hands the armband to the next designated captain, mm-hmm. and he's still captain. Like the main guy, you still have your captain, but it's it's seen as a as a malleable thing, and there's more than one leader. So I kind of wonder if maybe that's that's always in. a
0: defensive guy who, or typically a defensive guy has that. Or defensive or midfielder guy?
1: Uh, I mean, it, it depends on the team. Um, uh, you know, a lot of times, like Spurs will we'll run with Harry Kane, will be wearing the captain's armband. Um, I mean, but then it'll go back to uh, Jan Vertonghen or uh, uh, Musa Dembele, and, and he's kind of a box. So, I mean, it's, it's a much more fluid thing, is all the illustrate.
3: Yeah. I, I don't think there's much to that. I, I agree. I don't think there's uh, any problems with the locker room necessarily. I think I, I really appreciate Weber's captaincy role. I, I, I like the, the nonverbal sort of. Watch my actions, not necessarily what I say. Kind of attitude. That Even explains th- Game Seven. It does explain Game Seven. <laughs> they certainly followed his actions there. Uh, so no, I don't think.
0: <laughs> uh, that was an audible high five. <laughs> it was also yeah. Uh, let's go with a lot team of the- effort. We have team effort. A lot jokes. of these we've already <laughs> answered before, so I'm gonna. <laughs> Gonna, I'm going to pass through a couple of these. Uh, Gambit1077 writes in: uh, Kelly Arkrook's contract. Wants to know what we what we think about him. Do you consider buying out UFA years with him, or any comparable uh, any comparable players? Uh, let's see. I know what. Um, I think that they just they qualify offering. See if yeah. get him for a couple more I, years. I, I mean,
1: you got to keep this guy he, motivated. He's, to keep he's growing under eight hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. I mean yeah, just pay him. Just just qualify him and pay him. Give him a couple, yeah. I mean, if he asks for a million
0: and a half, give him a million and a half. Not a
1: Yeah, big deal. I mean, for what he does, yeah, a million and a half is like a steal still. Give That'd him a be cu- fine. You know, if he
0: gets if he gets close to yeah. 2 million, fine. I mean, I mean he's a guy that that was part of a okay top line. I mean, that's yeah,
1: I mean, Yankro, I mean, that should be one of the easiest con- RFA contracts of the summer, is the Yarncroak contract.
3: Yeah, I agree.
0: Uh, let's see here. R P N O City. I don't know how you want that to be pronounced. Um did the p- making the playoffs as the wild card one consistent car constitute a successful regular season? Did making to the second round of the playoffs exceed expectations? I don't care about I mean, as long as they made the playoffs, that's fine as far as the regular season goes. I care about where they went in the playoffs. Um the fact that they won a round and then they pushed the sharks, who I think are gonna be the eventual Western Conference champions, uh two game seven i'm okay with that i mean i think the sharks were a better team i think i can just honestly admit that i mean given the travel schedule it kind of made it look worse than what it was but i'm okay with that i don't, if, I don't have any if the question
3: if the question is was this season successful essentially he tried to a resounding yes
0: yeah if you if you try to divide the regular season the playoffs you may end up unsatisfied but the end result is hey this team just shoved their window open from one to two years to five to seven years, realistically. Right. And then, and then also in the process, oh, they won a playoff round against a team that, uh, frankly, everyone expected to beat them. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah. not mad about it.
3: Yeah. No. It, without a doubt, it was a, su- a success. You saw things from this team that you that this town that this this franchise has never seen. And anytime you can do that, is a good thing.
1: Yeah, and it also really, I, I think. You know, we, are, we always had the benefit of a year of saying, oh, the Predators, they need the number one center, the number one center, all that same top six, four, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, coming out of this season, we can look at the Predators and say, well, I mean, there's issues in net. We know that there needs to be, um, you know, they're going to have to find another depth piece for the defensive core. They're going to have to make sure they're balanced in the top, in, in the forward lines. It's it's some nice tweaking-type things, I, I, other than the goaltending. I think the goaltending is more problematic than, than that. But I mean, most of the rest of it is tweaking. And I think with uh, coming out as they did, with winning a round, with going to Game 7 in the second round, those are all, those are all really successful things, and things I didn't think the team was going to achieve coming into uh, the All-Star break.
3: I, I, I think you're absolutely right, and I think uh, something to what you just said, they didn't sell you know they didn't sell the farm to, to make a run this year. They made one really good move to get Johansson which which worked and moving forward they still have him. They can probably sign him long term if they work at it. He's only 23. He's only 23. So they didn't you know move off all of their draft picks and all of their prospects for pieces. We still got look, look at their look at the the minor leagues right now. Look at the uh look who they have in the farm system still waiting. This team had a great, a very successful year, and moving forward has just, is really primed. Like you said, their window is now five or six years, not one.
0: Yeah. That that was why I think when you look back at our initial expectations is that we expected a team to show a little bit more desperation knowing that they're relying on two centers that are 35 and 35 years old, now 36 and 36. We expect them to at least make it to the conference finals given that they were more desperate. Now with, with Johansson in the fold and, uh, it's not just a, a spit and duct tape lineup. I think we're happy with where things are. Um, there's a couple more questions, but most of which are going to be, going to be uh, resolved by this next segment. Um, all right. For this next segment, we decided to have a little bit of fun with this. And uh, we have a, just for, the, for those who aren't here, we have a collection of uh, wonderful colored posted notes. Kind of help visualize what they're going to do with the rest of the roster this year. So uh, in one column, these are players that are young players. They're kind of French players. That uh, Some of these are kind of redundant. Let's face it, like Colton Sissons, Austin Watson, Gabriel Bork, Mika Salamaki, all have very similar roles. I mean, Colton Sissons is a center that we expect to be, like, the number three or number four center. Um, but the rest of these guys have very similar skill sets. You've got Vladislav Kamenev, uh, Carter Hutton, Merrick Mazanich, Petter Granberg, Mike Ribeiro, Kevin Fiala, Pona Sahlberg. These are kind of like your could-be-in-the-roster-next-year- might not be the not roster next year. I didn't bother putting put Eric Nystrom on here because, frankly, I didn't think he was honestly worth it. But uh, what the hell, we'll add him on here too. The uh, blue color here is uh, these are guys that already locked up on the forwards. The pink color here, this is the uh, guys that are already locked up on defense signed through next year. Anthony Boteto is already signed on as well up until 2018. So the defense is pretty much set. No one's going to take Pec- uh, Pecorino's contract. Let's just be honest. That no one's going to want that. So let's start. Um, I actually, nearly started writing Ryan, Ryan Ellis' name. I'm No worse than Chris Cuthbert. All right. So UFA next year, Paul Gostad, gone. We all in agreement on that? Yes. Hey, hey, I don't know why you'd sign him. Cody Bass, gone. Mm-hmm. Not a question. Uh,
1: Carter Hutton. Offered a front office position.
3: <laughs> uh offered uh Stu Grimsons are all right. Anyone but Stu. Thanks for having me guys. Gone. Uh RFAs of this
0: coming year. Petter Granberg is an RFA. I,
3: I think since you since you already signed Batetto, I don't think it makes any sense to keep him either.
0: A seventh defenseman? I mean if someone
3: gets oh, hurt?
1: You've got the thing is like I mean you might be able to qualify him. And then you've got a bunch of guys fighting for spots in training camp. That's uh, yeah, definitely something the to have to deal with. Is they've got a whole bunch of so-so defensemen. Maybe one of them can can scrape their way through. It's
0: it's honestly so minor, you know. I think they keep him as a seventh defenseman in case one of the guys gets hurt. You have uh, right now Jackman and potato uh, both playing, both left-handed playing on the bottom pair. That gives you some flexibility. So if a right-handed guy gets hurt, you know you simply move up Granberg and then. Move up Batetto, easily taken care of. He wouldn't be cheap, so yeah, yeah. he's going to be less than a million dollars. Yeah, I mean, it's it's
1: kind of a whatever thing. I mean, you, I'd love to, I'd love for the for for to go out and find like a better player, but you know, it's it's at that point you're talking about fractions of points.
0: They really liked Anthony Batetto as well, so well, he'd be the spot they'd be fun taking. Name it's a fun name. He's a fun name. Uh, Marek Mazanich. Uh, now that we saw this team pretty much give up on Magnus Helberg. Mazanich uh, hasn't hasn't been like outstanding in the lower levels, but he's came up to the NHL before. He's he hasn't been bad up there. Um if you're not gonna bring it, if you're not going to uh resign Hutton, but you want a um, and you want a Cromulent uh backup goaltender, is Mazinic the guy you're gonna roll with that give UC Saros more reps in the minor league or do you pull up Saros? or what do you do? There? I, I
1: let I let uh Masnitz and Saros duke out in training camp. And then uh I think I think Masnitz might have the, the edge because uh, when it comes to starters, the Predators like to let their starters spend a lot of time in the minors because who doesn't want their gold hunter to come in at the age of, you know, 27 to start be the starter? Um, that's a great use of your, your resources. But that seems to be the way they do things. So, I mean, you, I think you're better off having Mazanix Miz- as the backup there.
2: All
3: right. I, I I don't see any reason to just go with one of them. I think you will let... Let them stew a little bit longer. I, not too long, but, but just let let them stew a little longer and see which one comes out on top. My money's on Soros, but... Well, I think Soros is a better keeper, absolutely, but I think if you're looking for a backup, I, the
1: Predators, the way they do things, is it would be Mazanix
0: Is there any one of these guys over here, the Yarncrook, Salamaki, Sissons, uh, Arvidson, Watson, Bork, any of these guys you expect not to be back next year? Well, How many of those guys are mm-hmm. RFAs? Uh, a few of them, actually, um let's see fours i me say pardon bork uh, yarn croker both rfa's um think, but, but all of the time, they're so cheap
1: i mean Salamonkey's signed through 20 the end of the 2017 2018 season
2: yeah Insistence uh, is already signed through yeah, the end of 2019 yeah i, mean, I fr- frankly back.
1: unless unless they do some bit piece trades cuz it's clogged none of those guys are really going anywhere all right uh yeah, yeah, and who knows what's going on with Bork? I mean, it could just be that they don't think he's have to fitness in time. Oh, timer.
3: Bork is in that list. Yeah, I, I don't think Bork's back. Really? Yeah, no. I really don't. No, I think he's I think he's redundant. I think we haven't seen him since November. We don't. To, to me, I think he's he's as replaceable as anyone on this roster. He's as repla- replaceable as Eric, Eric Nestrom to me.
1: I, I just think your your Salamaki is giving you what you know a handful of goals per season. Bork's going to give you a ten to fifteen goals per season.
0: I personally keep them both and just do what the Sharks do and just platoon your lower lines and just use that as an effective change of pace. A so fourth line that can actually skate as opposed to hmm. you know, a pair of dreadnoughts. Yeah, so, I, I still think Watson has more value on the trade
1: block than he does in the lineup.
0: Okay, that was going to be my next question is that uh, what do you do with Austin Watson at this point because they didn't play him at all during the playoffs. They elected to call up Pontus Oberg and play him over Watson instead of bumping up someone else.
1: I mean, I think, I think the kid needs a legit shot. I think he's going to get that with the Predators. Um, I was surprised with the playing time he got this season. I think it might have been partially due to injury, um, him being the right player for that position. Uh, but but I, I think they could get something for him, and he could go on and be a solid bottom six guy in the
3: NHL. I'd, I'd like to see them give him two years, somewhere in the neighborhood of one, one and a half, and, and give, him, give him a shot on that fourth line and let him run it. With Gostad gone, I think it makes perfect sense.
0: We get asked about uh, Max Reinhardt quite a bit, uh, just because he's put up some really good numbers down in Milwaukee. Uh, he's an RFA at the end of this year. Do we think you guys see uh, the Predators qualifying him again, and do you see him even cracking the roster at some point?
1: So One of my favorite things that happened, I think it was just this week, is that a uh, following General, General Fanninger on uh, Twitter, uh-huh. they had they put out a a, a picture of, hey... Unconditional draft pick note that I think the Predators basically got Reinhardt for free because he didn't play any he play, didn't play any Predators games. So I, I mean, maybe he's I don't know. I mean, I, it strikes me as being
0: twenty four years yeah, old. Yeah, that's like I don't. Yeah, he's gone. He's never he doesn't he's never lit up the AHL. Yeah, um, no, he's 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 got to be gone. He had one year in the AHL when he's playing for Abbotsford, where he had uh, sixty three points in sixty six games. Uh, other than that, though, I mean, 39 last year, 38 this year with Milwaukee playing pretty much top line minutes with the Milwaukee Admirals, who have some goal scores. And uh, I don't know. I mean, he's there's no reason to
1: retain him. Not with not with the number of centers who are coming through the system. Um, they're gonna they're gonna want space
0: for more skilled centers. All right, so we're all in accord that Carter Hutton's probably gone. Eric Nyström, if they can get out of this deal, is gone. When you have Eric Nyström and you didn't play him at all during the playoffs, or you played him for one game in the playoffs. Yeah, that that kind of speaks volumes to kind of what the DJ Black Hole. Yep, pretty much. So before we even address the other guys here, let's go ahead and see if we can fill out like kind of what are we what our ideas for the roster next year. Ryan Johansson, obviously number one center. Uh, if say if you were going to be asked to come up with predators lines for the start next year training camp, uh, coaches Link and Darty, who would you put around Johansson as your top line?
3: I I would probably try out. Johansson with Neal and Wilson first. Mm. Mm. I think the combination of Neal and Wilson really seemed to work. Uh now Wilson's Wilson's uh, uh, the type of player that can be moved around. I think uh, obviously Johansson and Neal are top line players. If if Wilson doesn't work out there, I think you could go back to uh a Yarncrock or um or Arvidson since that that kind of worked. But I think there was too much we saw too much chemistry between those to to not try it.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean that's the, what what Alice just said is sort of like hey, you want a slice of pepperoni pizza? I'm like yes. That's yeah. exactly what it I want incredible. at all I mean, times. Why it's I what say the time no of
2: the defense. day
0: it doesn't yeah, It could doesn't be midnight. I don't even care where whatever. it's from. Mm, um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, honestly uh, like <laughs> hey dude, I just went to Little Caesars. I got a couple. Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah, part. sure of course. That, that's actually like a staple of like every high school football press box I've ever been in. Like Little Caesars pizzas because since the $5 revolution came through with them.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, you know what else you can get for five dollars? What's that? Carved turkey and bacon so <laughs> sandwich at <is> Subway.
0: <laughs> it's the bread is really crispy. Actually, and, I believe uh, it's six dollars now.
3: Man, I can't believe it's been four years since the five dollar re- revolution. Uh, <laughs> five year anniversary coming up. Uh,
1: yeah, I I think just to expand on the interchangeable comment. I mean, I I that's something that I've talked about all season, all of last season. The idea being that you have an open wing, you can rotate the right player in. I even think that hey. Another year, you have uh, maybe maybe you can have Kevin Pelletier make a mark there. Maybe he can finally make his mark in the NHL by being uh, in the top six he needs to be with those guys, where he doesn't have to have defensive responsibilities and he can just be dynamic and flashy. Uh, so yeah, I, I really think that that's the top line um, of of the Johansson and Neal with with the interchangeable wing. But I like to have. Paul Wilson in positions where he can succeed, and that's a good position.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So the second line uh, with the players you have here, I mean, Philip Forsberg default would be on the left side there, um, and default would be Craig Smith on the right side there. Um, but what's that gaping hole? Where would you put Mike Fisher? Would you start Mike Fisher as the number two or the number three guy? I mean, with what we have laid out in front of us. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, keep in mind, all this is still in play too, so you still have Colton Sissons, Callie Yarncrook, Mika Salamaki, Victor Arvidsson, Possibly Austin Watson and Gabriel Bork.
1: <laughs> oh, don't tempt me. So,
0: um, oh God,
1: Mike Ribero's still there, and he's still under contract. We're so. gonna,
0: we're gonna save this. Until yeah, later I was on. wondering what we were doing. Yeah, with I that. mean,
1: because I guess that's kind of, sort of the natural place to slot him. Um, man. I have well,
0: I, I I don't know. I mean, it, it, we, as we were just talking about, as Alex was talking about, just first a, off, a we, need bit to ago, ident- we need to identify the best roster, figure out what our are, are, what's the natural fits for the there's roster. Just a, there's a gap. What are the holes, and then yeah. we work to address the holes. I okay. think if if we're setting
1: microbarrow aside, uh, I think it's appropriate to leave the second line center position as an open gap.
0: Okay, that's a gap. There. We're on a we're on a cord on this. Yes, we are, we have a gap. Go would team you, venture? So, between on the other either side of Mike Fisher, we're going to probably put lower line players such as a Cali Yarncroke, yeah, Mika Salamaki, yeah. Gabriel Bork. If, if these were say uh, what you uh like with Victor Arvidson, marbles
1: though? with each player being a marble, I would just say shake your hand just there's your bottom six. Um
3: <laughs> I I would like Arvidson on that third line with Fisher, but that I I think that they would they would complement each other. Um, yeah, and then Croak would would go yeah. on the other side. Okay.
0: That's fair. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then you
1: have, what, Sisson, Salamaki, and... Uh, Watson. You could put Watson down there. Um, maybe if if Bork is, is alive, um, you could put him down there.
0: And that essentially, you've... I mean, that's not a bad lineup. It just has a a pretty identifiable hole there in the second-line center position.
1: Yeah, but and you know what else leaves you with? A few tradable assets that you might be able to attract a second-line center with.
0: Petter Granberg is kind of as a... Flex yeah. player but, I mean, here. I, like, you have Gabriel Bork is yeah. probably a flex player over here, and then you. Need to, I don't know if what you want to do with Pono Soberg as well, but then you also have in the minor league system. You have Kevin Fiala and Vladislav Kamenev.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, in training camp, every I mean training camp is such a big deal. Yeah, um, you know, again, Fiala is going to have is going to have a chance to prove himself. Um, I think Kamenev, of course, you know, being a young player, he's he's got work to go. we got work to do, and and yeah. same thing with Trenton They've both got a lot of time they need to spend developing. Um, you know, so so we'll see what comes of that. Uh, yeah, Oberg. I don't know. I mean, we, we didn't really get to see him. It's hard to it's hard to say we were in the lines. We really didn't feel like we got we got a fair shake with him. Right.
3: Um. I, I think the bottom two lines make a lot of sense. I think that that fourth line is. I mean, we should have seen that fourth line for the last two months. That
1: was a dangerous fourth line during the season when they were together until they got broken up for Gostad and Nice from coming back. let
0: still take it back as the most inspired, the most encouraging hockey that we saw and that before, was, the, uh, with, before the Johansson trade was these guys together. I think Bork was part of it instead of Watson, or Bork was part of it instead of Salamaki, yeah. one or the other. It was against the Senators. And you had Ryan Ellis and Matias Ekholm out there with them and cycling the puck, and all three guys have their sticks on the ice waiting for a deflection. That's, what I, that's playoff hockey in November. They've,
1: they've got fundamentals. Watson They are packed with fundamentals.
3: Watson, Sisson, Sal- Salamaki would be a great fourth line. And I, and I, and I know I'm, I'm okay with Bork being, a, being a, uh, just kind of a spot start kind of guy. Um, I don't think he's all that good. That's just I've never been impressed with him. But, sure, go with him.
0: I mean, in the worst-case scenario, I mean, if you start the year with, let's say, either a Fisher or Yarncrook in the center position for line number two, that's not the worst thing in the world. The worst thing in the world was not having a number one center going into this past year. Yeah. So if that's the case, then maybe Bork slides up there, maybe have Oberg or whatever. But in a perfect world, so you have these other assets that are going to mature in Milwaukee. Say you just roll out a hey, Milwaukee, I want you to find a way to get, get Fiala and Kamenev and Oberg on a line together, just because that's fun and very European. I mean, that is, that is sex right there. That is <laughs>
1: awesome. <laughs> um, They're <It's> open minded and <coughs> sexual in Europe.
0: And you got you know you got your goaltending situation mostly figured out. may bring in a veteran backup. Um, too bad Thomas Grice, People has been he's now been exposed to actual sunlight, and now people know how good he is.
1: Oh, he's been, he went over to other worlds and he's been terrible in front of, behind the
0: German team. There you go, the German team. Ironically, Germany doesn't have great defense. Because you know in every world war they're great at offense and not great at defense. <laughs> oh, okay. I, mean, like, I didn't realize that, that,
1: that they were so good at defense. Is that the joke? No.
3: They also brought Protestantism to the Celts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can tell we can break out a civilization joke' that's, that's, that's great um, so that the elephant in the room is the hundred and eighty pound guy from Quebec Mike Ribeiro. he has one year left on this deal. It's not a very expensive deal I mean he's only got around he's only paying we're only paying around three yeah but three, the, three uh, the,
1: the moral cost of here's, it is immense
0: here's kind of a uh, to touch on that real quick. So we had multiple people at the airport uh, report this back to me. I've had a couple of my friends go to the airport. First off, I don't know how I feel about the airport mobs anymore because the players don't. The players are going out of their way to avoid. Because you know when the when yeah, yeah. when people would like crowd the little entrance to the private you know the private airstrip that there or the private uh, hangar that they have uh, to cheer them on and what have you. Some of the players are just going around to avoid it anymore, but. When, uh, Ribero made, uh, I had two, two different times I heard this. Um, Ribero was going out to the, going out, uh, it was after game four, and someone actually yelled, You're trash, Mike Ribero! Like, just was heckling Mike Ribeiro. Sure. And then, um, oh, it wasn't me. When they, when, uh, it work? after game, um, I think it was game, it was either after game six or after game seven. Um, yeah, you know, it was after game seven when they flew home. Like, everyone, everyone's getting cheered as they come out the doors. There's these two double doors they have to all come out of. And, uh, and Ribeiro, Ribeiro appears, and just like no one's cheering, mm-hmm. so the fan base is, is. I mean, between being healthy scratch for two mm-hmm. games in the playoffs and the off season that he had last year, uh, the fan base has kind of turned on Mike Ribeiro, and so, for yeah. good cause, you know. For I mean, yeah, definitely I mean, get yeah,
1: it. Yeah, you think if you're going to turn against a guy like that for anything, it's going to be his poor on ice performance.
0: Yeah, and that, and just I mean, his. We've talked a bit before with Rich Clune that his his on ice perform. Rich Clune's on ice game reflects him as a person. Like he takes the game very personally. With Ribeiro, it's almost like his his on ice game is very much a reflection of the person that he is. And I don't know him personally by any means. I don't I don't know if I would ever want to get to know any you know Mike Ribeiro. I don't know if I want to get to know any player personally, but he'd be probably lower down on the list. Um, it almost seems like he do, he's the type of guy that does have the violent mood swings, and then his play also also has the violent mood swings as well. Like his play, sometimes it's great, sometimes it's not, and as he goes, so goes his line.
3: So your options are, are to to a buy out?
0: I don't I mean, they could buy him out. I mean his buyout calculator would be it'd be like one point
3: seven per year for two because it's like three he has a three and a half million dollar contract for next year and you have to pay it over two years. Yeah. It would be like uh one and a half basically million a year.
0: Here's for two what years. I would suggest instead is that um regardless of his uh you know of what we think about him. I mean, NHL general managers, as we all know, are old, you know, the gray hairs only care about what's on ice. He had 50 points this past year. He does have trade value. He's a cheap contract, you know, especially for only one year, let's say um, a team that maybe has a lot of younger players and they need to either yeah. kind of want someone to play with them or they want someone that's, uh, that's cheap and they're going to go for kind of a win. Now he has kind of a win now contract in a few yeah. different ways. Let's say if you were to see if you can flip him, maybe with some of one of these redundant assets. Let's say like a Gabriel Bork or a uh, or a Mika Salamaki or a someone. I mean, maybe even someone in the system like a. Um, I don't know. I mean, they've got a lot of redundant players down there. If you like could find Felix it. but let's say if uh, the guy I've personally targeted, Tyler Bozak, mm-hmm. Bozak had a good year this past year with Toronto. Bozak signed for a couple more years. He's got a manageable contract. And he is, a by definition, a number two center.
3: Mm-hmm. I, I'm more than on board with trying to find a trade partner for, trade partner for him, but I just don't know who that's going to be, and I don't know how much you're going to get back for him. Right. Uh, the, the benefit of a buyout is you only have to pay a little bit this year, and you don't ever have to have him on the ice again.
0: I think if you trade him for a third-round pick, that's great. But, uh, you know, I think if you, if you can try to get, a, you try and get some kind of asset back for him that another team doesn't want that you can put into hole, you can plug into that hole, great. I mean, Bozak, I think, would be uh, something to target because Toronto knows that they could not win with Tyler Bozak being their number one center next to Phil Kessel. They know this. And he has a contract that they would probably love to shed because then they could turn around and offer that money to free agents such as uh, Steven Stamkos. I think both sides can win with that.
3: I, mean, I think we're all speaking. We're all saying the same thing, and that is that we don't want number sixty-three on the lineup in, next year.
1: I don't want him on the lineup this year. I don't. I don't care. I mean, yeah. buy him out, trade him, trade him for yeah.
0: a, a polar bear. I don't care. We said before the beginning of the season that I would have rather been ride or die with Austin Watson as the number one center yeah. than to bring back Mike Ribeiro. I
3: agree. Yeah. So. so we just got. So that still leaves the gaping hole, though. So how do we fill that hole in the second line?
0: I, again, I would be for you know maybe consolidating some assets. Let's say if you were to package up Barrow and Alberg for Tyler Bozak, or package Barrow and a third round pick up for Tyler Bozak, cool.
3: So, what if we can't find a suitor for not Ryan Suter. Uh Let's say we can't find a partner to trade with us.
0: No, one, we, no one would give up a fourth round pick for this guy. Well, I'm
3: just saying let's let's just let's just imagine we never trade
1: him for a fourth round pick. Unfortunately, they would never let him go for that. That's the. I mean, that's that's the, I, I can't even talk about it because I want him gone more than anything else. Um, and it's it's either they're not, either team who I don't think is anyone trade for him, and the Predators are going to have a price floor and they're not gonna let him go for for what we'd want them to go for. We're, we here, let me not say we. I cannot evaluate in the same way a, a hockey team would because uh, I just I just can't. I cannot evaluate him like that. Um, I cannot give him a fair market value uh for any reason i just i cannot and i won't um i just want him gone that's think, that's all i can really I, say about i mean, him. i'm
0: in the same i think that the organization's almost in the same boat as well given how if they have i mean we've we've accused this organization of being being tone deaf before but when your own we've never known i mean you and i have lived here for a good while you've lived here for a good while as well have you ever known nashville fans to ever heckle one of their own players well, but but there,
1: I would say if you're basing it off of people like the airplane thing you talked about, the thing he's been so bad, he was so bad in the playoffs that people turned on him. Mm-hmm. No one cared when he was scoring 50 points. I would make this thing and be like, Yeah, but he's scoring 50 points. It's it's awesome that we have him. It's like, how do you argue against a 50 point scoring player, especially the age of 35? That's really good for a 35, player, 35 year old player scoring 50 points. That's excellent, yeah. especially in his contract. No one would complain about that. So people are upset because he played poorly in the playoffs, not because of any other reason. And that is, it's two totally separate things. Yeah. And, but it all adds up. It it does all add up, but I don't think the team or the fan or the primary majority fan base is thinking about the the, the personal half. I I really don't. I think they they turned on him because he went from a 50 50 point guy in the regular season to just one of the worst consistent Predators during the playoffs. They didn't turn on anybody else, though. Like, oh, well, I mean, people complained about, uh, um, people didn't like Stahlberg. Well, people complained about Forsberg in the playoffs and how much he and him struggling not scoring points. Um, it wasn't quite as vocal because he's the Golden Boy. He's For also reason. He's also twenty years old. He's also twenty, 20 years old. Yeah. yeah, So I mean, there's a lot of things, but he's. I mean, he's the guy who was brought in as a, as, as kind of an elite center. Even, he, Ribeiro and and people didn't turn on Pecorino when he was you yeah. know, well being awful. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the same reason. I mean, all year. <laughs> Well, some people did, but then we were, we were a lot of us who were not. boat were shouted down and said, "No, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong." Not anyone at this table. Yeah. Um, but again, I mean, Peck is one of the. He's he's one of the poster boys. The poster boys don't get that treatment because that's who they are. Um, and I'm not part disparaging by saying the poster boys. I mean, because Yossi's on that list. And they're literally the, on the poster. Yeah, outside they're the, the building. they're the yeah, poster right. boys. Um, I yeah. So it's quite literal. So I I think that there's different. I mean, Ribeiro is in a unique position because he was brought in as sort of this. um Last ditch contract attempt. He had an incredible season two years, two uh, not last season, season before, where he was he had a fantastic season, and then he put up fifty points this year and he had a terrible playoff. I mean, there's a progression, and and uh, he he's a player who has a reputation prior even prior even to Arizona. He had a reputation in Dallas and and other places, and so he carried a reputation. Um, and he has on ice personality issues sometimes. So there's a lot of ways just. Purely looking at him on the ice, where you can polarize a fan base, because not often does a player get thrown out of multiple games for just mouthing off. That's hard to do. Um, so, I mean, that, there's a lot of reasons I think people could turn on him um, that are different than than I think some of the core issues um, that I and, and I know several of us at this table have with Ribeiro.
0: Yeah, looking at just, I mean, it's hard to just say like you know from a purely hockey standpoint. And I'm not that, going to. Yeah, but that that's I mean, I'm I'm glad you actually said that because I think that that still needs to be heard. But frankly, it's, I mean, I, I don't want to put ourself, I'm up on an incredibly high horse, but it's almost disgusting that not a whole lot of entities in Nashville do that. I mean, I, I've, I've before, after we wrote the, uh, the bit on Roberto, I actually searched other sites and <laughs> no one, not enough of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I
1: make, I make fun of Ribeiro to make jokes about Ribeiro to remind people. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't do it to make light. I do it to remind people. Um, and, and, and cause I think it, it, it's not done.
0: Um, and, and It it mean we're still. I mean, it's still a a foreign concept for me for Nat for Mm -hmm. who, I mean, people didn't heckle Travis Henry when he was playing for the Titans because even though with his past, like people didn't heckle him for that, Uh, which NFL fans are completely different. It's a completely different world, right? But I'm I'm with you on as far as like whatever it takes to get out of this contract. I'm all for whatever it takes to get out of you know this one more year of him because if nothing else the kind of like just violent mood swings that his game has is almost counterproductive to the rest of the lineup.
1: Right. And uh, yeah, for a team that needs to focus on speed, he's anti that. Mm-hmm. And that's
0: and I think that's the reason why he did get set on the Sharks game. Not, I mean, just because he was, you know, the way you were going to beat the Anaheim Ducks, speed. The way you were going to beat the San Jose Sharks, speed. What's the one thing that does not exist in his game at all? And don't just say class, but speed. Yeah, it doesn't happen. And the ability to not do drop passes.
3: So yeah. it it comes down to how do we fill that second second center spot? Um, I, I think there's, I, I, well, I guess where I was going originally was if you don't find a suitor, it, even if you don't find a suitor, then you then you you figure yeah, out a way out of the problem, okay. anyways.
1: <laughs> you you look at how much cap space the predator. Oh,
3: I'm sorry, go ahead, Alex, finish. Well, no, I was just I was just saying, l- let's assume that he's not on the team. Where does that come from? Uh, and and if you don't have the cash for it, if you, if because you've paid. Forestberg and you've maybe even figured out a way to get all these other RFAs that we have or UFAs mm-hmm. signed. Um, say we only have about 5 or 6 million to spend. Uh who, who 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 can we go get or do we make some sort of a trade for somebody? What about I'll, I
0: mean I mean we we talked about this pre-show but um, what about a Sam Gagne as a second line center? He was terrible for Philadelphia this year. He was terrible. Okay. So this is, but
1: here's here's <laughs> here's the thing. Here's what, I'm going to go right back to Philadelphia. Go for it. I mentioned it earlier. Braden Shen, RFA, Flyers, not a ton of cap space. Predators could return the favor. They could say, "Hey, we could we could basically pay Shen what he deserves and outprice the Flyers, who but they did, could not sign him." Who did he? What line did he center? Uh, he spent time bouncing around second, okay. third, but he was uh, okay. He was good. He had he had he was kind. Of, he kind of had to come into his own season. Okay, I think getting his brother shipped out was helpful.
0: Looking at the just the the UFAs for center this upcoming year, it's literally. You have uh no one's paying no one's gonna pay Eric Stahl more than six million dollars this upcoming year. No one. They'd be lucky if he gets five. Hell he'll be really lucky if he gets four. Stamkos is probably gonna get close to nine, maybe ten, depending okay. on where he goes. Eliash is gonna be Patrick Elias is gonna be retiring. Sam Gagne is probably gonna get around the three million range, maybe that. Uh Bacchus so, is gonna get paid. Uh Yuri Hutler is probably gonna end up playing wing. And then after that, it's just a bunch of, uh, I, kinda,
1: I mean, he's not a great player anymore, but, um, I've always wanted, uh, Boyd Gordon and the Predators just because I like when the announcers only ever say his full name. And so I've had this, this dream of having a Predators jersey that says Boyd Gordon on the back. <laughs>
0: um, what about Franz Nielsen? What about Andrew Shaw? No, <laughs> people must be able to chew food. Um, plus how Shaw Andrew Shaw's a scumbag in his own right. Yes. Um, Franz Nielsen's not a bad buy. He's, 30, he's He's 32 years old, but he's consistently around like 45 to 50 points. Yeah,
1: you no, know, Franz Nielsen, when I saw, I was looking at that list uh, a little bit earlier during the show, and yeah, he stood out as well as a possibility. I mean, for like, Franz, is, he, is, he, is he Swiss? Um, you know, that's an excellent question. Because if he's Swiss, um, you know I'm on board. Yeah, he's from Denmark, actually. Oh, he's from Denmark? He's Danish.
0: Oh, I'm still on board. Yeah. Nordic.
3: Franz Nielsen. Hmm. And so if
0: you can get him for around $4 million and change, I mean, yeah, that's, I, I that's a respectable number I two I think seat. there's
1: a couple free agent options. I, I do think that the, that it would serve Nashville well to, to maybe stick it in Philadelphia's eye a little bit. This is coming from a Flyers fan. Um, and I do think, I mean, Braden Shinn may very well be available to a, to a clever team. So
0: I actually wrote it down in my book. I to have. Oh, that's cute. Thank you, Braden
3: So, so Franz Nielsen, more on that note, He he's, he is 32, but... He's had three of probably the best years of his career in the last three years. Now, he's been on a great team. The Islanders have been really good the last three years. But
0: he's not playing with Tavares.
3: But he's not playing with Tavares. He's he's getting probably less competition. He's not getting as much attention. But I would be totally on board with Franz Nielsen. We could get him for three, four million.
1: There we go. There's our drums to beat for the summer. Franz Nielsen. Franz
3: Nielsen. Nielsen. Or if you can, uh, you know, find some money elsewhere, go after David Backus. I still think that's within the I realm I think
0: Backus is headed in Minnesota.
1: Well, maybe, hey, maybe if... Uh, Darby County gets promoted to the Premier guys, League, guys, we'll have guys, extra. Guys,
0: guys, 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 guys. He played college hockey. Who? Backus.
1: Okay, I was just saying, I was. He's going say, to Minnesota. Okay. But, <laughs> but Dar- if Darby County gets promoted, then then uh, whatever Br- Br- w- Wilson W. Brian Wilson is that his name? But, is? Uh, w. Brian oh, Wilson. Br- yeah. yeah, we'll have some extra, some some of that sweet Premier League money. He can he can shuttle over to the Predators. Uh, mm. That's not how it works. I you know, keep your assets Dan, separate, <laughs> Dan. Dan.
0: I think that is how it works. I want the
1: tiny, adorable Rams, and I want them in the Premier League. I
0: think I want to go to their park. It's awesome looking.
3: I I think my number, my my number one choice now. You've converted me. I think my number one choice would be would be Nielsen, and then uh, if you can find the money, go after uh, David Backus. But
0: Um, again, I I think Backus is going to be getting close to six. That's just a lot of money to be paying a guy north of thirty.
3: I also I'm also thinking <laughs> about his to Shay Weber. <laughs> I I haven't watched enough Nielsen to understand his style, but I've watched Backus and I think Forsberg and Smith right in the on the outside of David Backus, holy cow.
0: Yeah. That could be a lot of fun. I mean, it would just they just need someone to play in front of the net on that line. That's yeah. all they need. Uh real quick before we get into five tough questions, uh were you surprised at the any other uh at any other series, the uh you've got the Bolts eliminating the Islanders in five games, Penguins Capitals, uh Alex. Capitals, <laughs> they they got they got uh, what? I'm not a Capitals fan. They, they, they did the job against the Penguins, man. They surely they did, straight up, up job. Sure, them. sure yeah. did.
3: I I think I think Dan's referring to my uh, picking of the Capitals. I think I
0: picked the Caps too, but I don't really put any someone, stock in. Someone made it made it flamboyant. So I
3: was I nice. was pretty much on board with it. Look, I don't I, I have no explanation. I mean, I think they just completely got outclassed and outjobbed by the uh, Penguins. The yeah. Penguins came.
1: Any, anyone reading my playoff predictions can see my slow descent into madness
3: as the playoffs progress. I forgot that Matt Murray is the best goaltender to ever play in the playoffs.
1: Yeah,
0: Matt, Terry, Saul, Chuck Murray. Yeah.
1: How uh, about I would say our, our, um, our resident Nashville uh, goalie talent evaluator, oh, yeah. uh, Claire Austin, has been very high on his uh, positioning in his, in, in his uh, mental game. Hmm.
0: I know that the, uh, being a goaltending star is completely imploding against the Blues. I had the stars winning that series. I feel kind of dumb about that. Um I had the stars win this As wrong
3: as I was about the Capitals, I was right about the stars. Yeah, the
0: Stars, that was
3: that was I mean the, the blues, right? As, as bad
0: as the game seven that Nashville played was, imagine that happening at home.
3: Yeah, that would have been bad.
0: Against a team that you're probably better than.
3: But they had to... I mean, they knew their goaltending was a problem. They knew their defense had no depth. They knew that.
0: So let's go they trade for could, Chris Russell. They
3: just couldn't they couldn't <laughs> prevent, you know, finally the Blues figured out how to beat, you know, career. Below 900 goaltender Kari Lettinen. And or was it, is that who was in? I don't even know who was Lettinen, in that, that No, he started, started
0: it and then uh, Lettinen finished it. Yeah, it was just all kinds of bad. Oh. It's just a metaphor for. They spent over something. $10 million on two <laughs> goaltenders and just. Oof. Kari Lettinen, uh, apparently, uh, I saw a graph of him the other day. Kari Lettinen was concussed a few years ago. And if you look at his uh, average save percentage since then, it's like yeah, it's fallen off a cliff. It's plummeted. So He was bad last year. So we got our final form uh blues and sharks uh I believe let's see here. which one of you picked the blues in this series
3: not me well I don't, we haven't gotten quite to this point, but i i pick I'm picking the blues here
0: yep i mean we we actually sent up the the email oh that yes, I yeah. picked the blues I never, picked, I never you know, I never
1: picked the blues no. I'll never pick the blues i'm also uh i'm sure to the horror of some people i am like. Fully on the Sharks' bandwagon through the playoffs and the end of the Stanley Cup Finals. I don't get
0: that. I did a Twitter poll of how many of who do you want to see win, and more people were on board with the uh, with the Blues winning than the Sharks or the Penguins. I, I mean, they were a number two team. Like I just like,
1: how do you go against like Pavelski and Burns and Thornton? Right. And I mean, there's in Marlowe. I'm not on the. I feel
0: sorry for Joe Thornton. I don't
1: know. I, I mean, I, I am on the. Joe Thornton is doing unbelievable work for a guy of his age he is one of the all-time great centers in the
0: sport of hockey right now he's dan marino for a football reference i mean i I don't feel sorry for him i feel
1: like he needs his he he needs to get what he deserves and that's to
0: have a legit shot of the stanley cup i'm
3: i'm on board with that i just i think the blues are better i don't don't care blues are cursed they can't win
0: anything (laughs) uh lightning versus penguins you guys both have the penguins right
1: I don't remember. Um I think have I to, picked the I
3: picked the Lightning and I said Kucherov was going to I think I might have compromised you did my pick own. The Lightning, I, yeah.
1: I think I compromised my integrity and went with the Penguins.
0: Ooh, that's, that's, that's I've,
3: I I think the reason I picked the Lightning I think is because I've I've gone against them in almost every series and yeah, even with even with the ben Bishop injury which was bad. Um oh, There's just th- that's how they that's how bad. they roll. I mean they have but by the way day-to-day. Their backup, uh, backup goaltender is just fine.
0: Andrei Vasilevsky <laughs> has been regarded as one of the as the future of Russian goaltending. So yeah, I mean their
1: their pipeline of goaltending in, in Tampa is phenomenal.
3: And if he gets hurt,
0: then you have Christos Kuzlevskis, who's the guy who uh, won that w- or nearly won that one game for Latvia in the Olympics a couple of years ago. So
3: go get him. Why can't we have him?
1: I mean we have predators. Saros, who's the future of, Finish of goal finished goaltending. goal-tending. <laughs> don't you?
3: Which country are we going with? We don't mock little bear at this table. Oh, I don't. <laughs> little Bear's the sacred one. Okay. Oh hail, Little Bear.
0: Oh hail, Little
3: Bear. I, I I need to get the verbiage down, but I'll I'll get it. I promise.
0: All right. On that note, five tough questions brought to you by uh, City Slickers. Sure. Yeah, he's giving me imaginary money for that. Number one, Bruce Boudreau is now the coach of the Minnesota Wild, which is the exact nightmare scenario we talked about. We don't, we don't like this because this this means bad things. A quick
1: question. Is this Minnesota Wild, the hockey team, or Minnesota Wild, the uh, roadhouse grill and bar? Ooh.
0: I was think it's the hockey team, but I would actually pay more money to see him manage the roadhouse. Could he bring in Patrick's... Well, Patrick Sweezy's dead. Huh.
1: Anywho, uh, what are well, Pat, the... It was Ghost. That was a good movie.
0: What are the odds <laughs> that the Minnesota Wild win the division this upcoming year? Can you give me a percentage or... The likelihood of the Minnesota Wild winning the division, and the reason why is because Bruce Boudreaux typically wins the division. Hmm. But every year he's coached a team for the entire season, he's won the division. But
1: all those teams that he's been put in charge of have good rosters. Yeah, he's always been put in charge of a a team with a good roster who's struggling beneath a bad system that
0: has a number one center and a scoring winger that has scored over forty
1: goals. And now he's in charge of a team that had actually a fine system, like just it was a decent system, but doesn't have the assets. So I mean I don't know what they expect him to do if if he manages to pull off a conference win with that roster that they have in Minnesota right now, then he, they might as well make him pres- even, like, like th- king of Canada name a trophy
0: after him at that point yeah right. i
1: mean he he's, he's got to be like he he'll be like he'll basically show up at Ma- Mike backcock's front door and be like, "I'm taking your job
3: leave All right yeah no no ch- no chance to win it next year with the pieces he has it's hockey there's always a chance. <laughs> there's always a chance, except for he loves your St. Louis Blues, and there's
1: never
0: a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Watch them win the Stanley <laughs> Cup this year, and I'm going to cry. <laughs> well, I thought Jason had a great quote on that because, like, he said that the Sharks have to win this because there's no way that we can have St. Louis Blues fans giving us the "How many cups have you won?" Because imagine that family is oh, doing that to us.
1: And I, well, I just ask him how many years did it take you,
0: Charlie Brown? How many times did it take him to kick the football? I don't know. Number two, the Tampa Bay Lightning are in the conference finals without the services of Steven Stamkos, Anton Strauman, helping them throughout the first two rounds. And now possibly they're without Ben Bishop. Ben Bishop has been updated to day-to-day so far, and he's not even been rolled out for game two, which, come on, man. Can you ever remember a team winning the Stanley Cup or at least making a run to the Cup final with these type of injuries?
1: No. I can't, I because I can't remember anything um, hmm. with that degree of detail or accuracy. Um that would take some time to think about it uh n- no no i I really don't think so I mean, I'm trying to think back um but no I mean most of those teams end up falling short uh i mean you're looking at a top like a key defenseman and a key in like your key forward your number two defenseman uh, and your yeah i mean at, at some point it's gonna come down to goals or special teams, and and that your your team is exhausted, and like you could use a guy like Strawman, who is a a stable piece who can get the puck forward, or, or Stamkos, a guy who can who can set up a big goal, uh, and score that big goal, and uh, you know, a moment's gonna come and they're not gonna
0: be there. I mean, they, I don't know what their status is coming back. Um, uh, Stamkos uh, actually skated today in full pads and uh, wore like the regular non the regular contact jersey. Probably won't see him in game two, but I expect we'll see him in game three.
1: Yeah. So I mean, you may be getting his pieces back, um, and that's going to be huge. Uh, it could be the, really the difference maker in the series. Because um, I think by the time they, if if the Lightning make it to the Stanley Cup final, I think they might have Stroman and Stamkos back. And if Cooper has faith in Druin, then they're going to have a scarier team than they entered the playoffs with. Right. Which doesn't happen very often. No. Well, it's also not very often that you completely mismanage an elite prospect and then be like, "Oh, when you give him minutes, he
3: actually is successful."
1: <laughs> Imagine that. Anything
0: on that?
3: No, I, I I was racking my brain trying to think of it. There've there been there've been teams that have uh, played entire seasons or most of their season without their star players and then gotten to the playoffs and they've returned. But uh, but uh, no, not not in the playoffs losing your major players, some major players, and then and then winning it all.
0: Number three, uh, what will be the lasting legacy of this year's Nashville Predators team?
1: I, I, I think it's going to be uh, Philip Forsberg tying Jason Hornet's goal scoring record. I think that's the most iconic thing of the season. Sure,
3: I, that and um, I think I think there's something to the Johansson Jones trade. I think that was a big moment for me. I, them actually making a big trade like that and making and kind of. Conceding that, like, uh, yeah, we, we drafted well, but we need to actually make a move that changes the dynamic of this team, not just fulfilling a need, but changes. I mean, that that kind of flipped everything. It totally changed where you know the way the defense worked. Uh, the tr- trading for Johansson kind of made a statement from a GM standpoint. And then, honestly, I think that that three overtime win was uh, was definitely the biggest moment in, in franchise history for me, and I think that was a lasting moment that really. The town really kind of erupted over that, it, it, obviously that night and also afterwards. People, people talked about that and were, were excited about it. I think that was the, the two lasting moments for me.
0: I remember sitting at Starbucks the day afterwards, and uh, that was a Thursday night game. I remember sitting there Friday afternoon, like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And you know whenever you, you get into Starbucks internet, it pops up like a flash page of uh, or a splash page of just what's trending nationwide. And the Predators were still trending nationwide mm. the next day at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Wow. And uh, that oh. was really cool. Uh, but I think the Johansson trade, uh, to me, that's that's going to be the lasting legs. So Matt and, they, and they made a run with him already. Now imagine what they're going to do with him a full year under Lavi Lett and, and Kevin McCarthy. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Number four, what was the biggest mistake made this year by the Predators? Um,
1: I think it was really not picking up a true backup goaltender.
3: It's a good one.
1: Uh, you know, I, I don't know if uh, shouldering some of the load off of Renee and giving it to uh, a true backup would have helped Rene's season improve and give him the time he needed to figure out whatever he was dealing with because I don't know if it was injury, physical, mental, uh, whatever it was, uh, someone to take that load off of him and not just play therapist like Hutton seemed to have been cast into the role of. Uh, I think that was a big mistake because the Predators probably wouldn't have been in a wild card position if it weren't for Pekka. They probably would have been in the top. They would have been in the conference top three.
3: Right. Um, I cannot disagree with that. <laughs> that that's perfect. It, yeah. The over, absolutely overworked of of Pekka overworking of rene is just uh, it, that was way too much. That you cannot rely on that that old of a goaltender with some performance some obvious performance issues and just saying well we're just going to keep rolling in the same amount that he did you know 5 years ago um i don't even i don't even care about the back the signing of the backup at, at this point i i think it's just a, the the management of the goal-tending situation was just not that was a big problem uh, also uh well 3 on 3 overtime that was a that was a big problem
0: six more points would have been nice yeah that's just half of the overtimes i mean not even all of them, just half of
3: them. oh i sorry i blacked that out yeah Oh, uh, it, this doesn't really count, but uh, remember Cody Hodgson? It was only a million dollars, but...
0: It's not my money. <laughs> they remember, cer- remember
3: Steve <laughs>
1: Moses? He was only
3: a million dollars. They certainly relied on that for two. Oh, wait. Big decision. Hang on. Uh, back up. VZ. What about VZ? Are we counting that?
0: Who cares? Uh, I, I well, they could, I mean, I think deep down they probably should have done something with him at the end of last year's draft, but <laughs> that might, what they would have it, gotten it, for him, though. It,
1: it took all my strength um, during Game 7 to, to not tweet... Uh, out. Man, just imagine Jimmy Viseki being annihilated in a Game 7 uh, second round final right now, but instead, here's something what's har- going on at Harvard. Uh, all my strength <laughs> not to tweet that, that out. That would have
0: been pretty good.
1: Um, well, I just felt like he was going to be too on the nose, so I just decided I'd reiterate
0: it here in the podcast. For only <laughs> friends are listening. <laughs> only friends. And like, you know, about a thousand people or so. <laughs> you can email him at three... <laughs> no, never mind. Um,
3: I would have it- retweeted that.
0: Number five, uh, and this is our, you know, kind of a walk-off. This is the biggest question because we've identified what the needs were. Um, would you prefer Nashville, if they cannot sign a, uh, a competent uh, number two center and free agency, would you prefer the Predators make a le- trade for a legit number two center with some future assets or promote someone from within?
3: Well, I don't think they have the piece to promote from within right now. So, so here's what I think
1: is, is what I would expect to happen. So I want to answer it that way. I, I think um, Poyle takes his time, and uh, pre-free agent period, the, when before free agency opens, he's going to look around to see if there's any uh, decent second-line centers available for the assets he's willing to give up. Um, and if the the right trade is there, he will make it. Uh, I think then you know it's going to go to free agency. If there's a good piece there that, that he thinks falls within the price, he'll sign that player as quickly as he can. And you know, failing that, they'll have a competition at the training camp and see what they can do. There might be another trade at that point, there may not. Um, and, and things kind of shake out. Uh, I mean I don't I I kinda see what you're doing. I don't quite Yeah, I mean yeah, Yarn Crooked Center and Oberg on the wing, I mean that doesn't excite me to the same degree as the, uh, the third line we laid out. I, I think it's kind of functional and I don't know if Kamenev is gonna be quite ready. Um he just I mean he has he, he can't remember and he spent how much time in in the AHL so far one season was if you there for a full season full season who
0: came over part way through,
1: I I thought someone else joined partway through the season uh,
0: Yakov Trenin joined at the very oh tail Trenin end.
1: you're right that's Trenin yeah I was mixing up my Russians, um, sort of like the Russians did with the uh, you know drug test samples at the Olympics, um, <laughs> just switch them around, uh yeah I I think there's so many things that could happen so many permutations. Uh, I, I just think we. Ha- I really, really want to see what the Flyers do with Brayden Schenn and how they try to make that work because he's getting paid two point four million dollars on an RFA deal. He's twenty four years old.
3: Also, what what have we been? The Predators have been very successful in the recent years at acquiring via free agency or trade. They've all of a sudden had this trend going of being able to do that very well, and promoting from within has not worked quite as well. It's been okay. It's just not yeah, worked uh, quite as yeah, well. Yeah,
1: they're very. They're also at the beginning of the great center gamble. I mean you, you go and you look at their center prospects and they're all guys who have they're they're, you know, high they're very talented guys, but they may not reach their potential for the NHL. Um and there's probably six of them. <laughs> there's a lot of them. And if you hit if you if you strike gold on one or two, you're set for years. Or you can miss on all six. So I, I think that's gonna change hmm. a little bit, but I don't know if they can rely
0: on that. I don't I don't think they can rely on that for The 2016, 2017 season. The only guy that you can truly even try that with is Kamenev. Yeah, and, I and just, that'd be I, a number three center role. With you bumping up Mike Fisher to the number two center role, and move over Kamenev to number to number three,
1: and then ideally through the season they would swap as to establish himself as a player. Yeah,
0: because Kamenev needs to be playing beside more beside better competition or better players. Um, I think the idea of moving over Yarncroak to number three and then having Sauberg uh, start the season on the wing that maybe I think that's more realistic. Or
1: if, if you think Fiala is more ready, if if that's what they think when they, at that time, you could also do the same thing, and and that gives you that left wing that's very like okay okay, we want fours with the top line. Wilson, you can, you can sort of move your, your left wings around. And that's what's really interesting about the predator setup is that um, I feel like you can really shuffle the left wing especially.
0: Especially if you if you keep Watson on that side and then you can just rotate all and these is, guys. Is Arvidsson a right, listed as a right winger? Because I feel like he's everywhere. I feel like him and, and, a lot of the, and Salamaki are both just going to play yeah, wherever. Yeah, I mean, Doesn't matter. Arvidsson,
1: he's like, he, I mean, he, he seems to come down and shoot in the left a lot. And when he scored his when he scored his backhand goal, I think he was on the left as well. Yeah, you know? he was to the left of the
0: net, so
1: doesn't mean anything. He could have cut across backhand. Yeah, yeah right. exactly.
0: So, all right, uh, that pretty much does it for this year. I mean, we're gonna start uh, we're gonna start shows back next month. Uh, getting close to the draft, uh, we'll have a full transcribe of uh, of our friend Bryant hopefully, which we're gonna support him the best way we can as far as his draft coverage goes because Brian is our guy. Um, anything else you want to add as far as uh, this year before we uh, kind of drop the mic on this year? Uh I am holding out
1: hope that the Gold Helmets don't return. Oh for pity's sake. Those are terrible. I'm I'm not interested in in, in the uh you know we the we, fans already look like macaroni in the stands. They only need to look like macaroni on the ice.
0: I was so happy to see the Tennessee Titans finally acknowledge this team. And That I is true. I don't care the motivation of Oh they're just trying to latch on to a winner. Brother, I don't care. The yeah. Predators have been winning hockey games for quite a while now, but we've never seen the other side of the river, the Tennessee Titans, even acknowledge the Nashville Predators' existence like this before, where you have the head coach of the Titans probably gonna get fined by the NFL for wearing a Preds hat during media availability with ESPN. But he's doing it anyway. That was kinda cool. Seeing predators seeing Titans fans or Titans uh players cranking the horn and you know and getting the crowd fired up. That was cool. And we've mm-hmm. never seen that. I Never got my wish for that.
3: Um, I think there's a lot of work to be done. I think uh, it all starts with uh, number nine. Once they get Phil Forsberg and him locked up, I think you'll you'll see more of what you're talking about. I think people really, you know, kind of uh, regardless of how he played, um, people kind of identified with that player, that sort of youthful, energetic, and and goal scoring type player. And uh, you get him signed long term, you could get a whole new generation of Predators fans on board who and i don't mean young people i mean people who like sports and like winners um that i think that could be a big part of it um the only other thing i was going to say was this is a big time when i think at at some point poyle and anybody else anybody else involved in that organization has to swallow the bitter pill of obviously we need to give renee some help we need to go to a two tier goaltending situation i mean you, s- you look look at the playoffs how it's all, how it's all played out goaltending B- backups come in and play just as well. I mean, it just it
1: yeah, needs yeah, yeah. to Harden happen. Harden did finish with a 100% save percentage. I
0: mean, look, I mean, look who's <laughs> remaining in the playoffs right now. You got Matt Murray, a guy yeah. who was a prospect in the Penguins organization, who was their num- who was number 3 on the depth chart. You had, you know, Flurry, Zadkoff, and then Matt Murray. You have the San Jose Sharks who Ditched Niami. Ditched, uh, was Grice with them last year?
1: Ew, man.
0: The year before. Uh,
1: He was with the Sharks for a long time. Yeah, he was
0: with the Sharks, at least for one stint over there. you got, I mean, they traded for Martin Jones the day after Jones was traded to Boston. So a guy that they just, they knew that they liked him because they played against him and he beat him a couple of times. And you've got the Tampa Bay Lightning who knew what they had with Ben Bishop, but they gave Vasilevsky plenty of reps when he he got over his injury. And then... You've got the Blues who have a perfect tandem situation. Right. Brian Elliott have, may have the best contract in the entire NHL.
3: Right. I, I think they've got to decide. They've they've got to choose and, and and decide. Are we gonna Are we gonna still roll with 60, 70 starts for Renee, or are we gonna go more forty fifty? If they can If they can do that, I think that they have uh, made progress.
0: Yeah, you get them down to like forty. Get them down to fifty starts, and then maybe you have like someone that's a. Maybe to, to kind of fall back on at some point because that was that sank the Predators in the playoffs before, where the other team goes to the guy that's their trusted backup and he lifts them to a uh, mm-hmm. to a series win. That's beaten the Predators three times in the playoffs. Exactly. So that's for my first thought during the Ducks series too, as I've seen this movie before. Right. All right, gents. Um been a lot of fun doing it so far this year with you. Alex, glad to have you aboard. This is a lot of fun. I mean, uh, it's pretty cool that we're able to, you know, come over here and bring over some McDougal's chicken fingers and just, you yeah. know, kind of have a, a good afternoon together. But uh, the sun is set on uh, on us here tonight, and the sun is set on the season as well. We'll kick it back up when the draft coverage begins. But um, any last words before we close up shop?
3: I guess it's time to devote myself only to the MLS. I'm, I, th- I think I need to go download uh, Civilization and uh, start converting people get some Civ 5 yeah
0: And I'm joining a gym, probably you can find him on Twitter <laughs> at 3DLink you can find Alex on Twitter at AlexDoherty1 you can follow myself at Dan D. Bradley you can follow the website and the show at OnTheForeCheck uh, you can catch us on uh, iTunes Stitcher TuneIn PocketCast SoundCloud and on the site as well got all them that time uh, this has been the PredCast brought to you by Alliance on Internet Marketing Solutions on 4checkcom and we'll see you next month
2: Tomorrow I'm working, what would I do? I'd be lost and lonely, yeah.